<laughs> I'm just straighten up. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> you're a cut above. No. Cut above the rest. No, 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 no. no. Okay. No. All right. Welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am recording. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. This episode is a Bozo Roundtable episode. Um, and I've affectionately called it uh, The Pros from Dover. And if any of you know the reference for that term, comes out of a, well, for me, when I first learned about it, it was from a movie, MASH. Um, well, the book originally, but then the movie where they talk about uh, the pros are coming in from Dover to, to do the, the surgery. And uh, they wanted, because they were the pros from Dover, they wanted the opportunity to have uh, better meals uh, and so on and so forth. And anyway, it's a, it's a funny kind of, I guess, categorization. And flattering. Yeah. yeah. And flattering for you guys, especially. Um, but anyway, this uh, roundtable is a little different than our others, and uh, we'll be doing this once every few months. Um, I really appreciate uh, my colleagues coming out, and I'm going to have them go around and introduce themselves, starting with you, Britt. Brett. All right, I'll go. Hello, Brett Heiner with Lighthouse Support Center Mystic Motion Incorporated, mentoring, coaching, support, and uh, facilitator of groups. Perfect. Like and, that? Yeah, I do. I do. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I wish I'd come up with something that clever for a name. Yeah, it's just simple. Now. I'm stuck with Utah addiction medicine. How boring is that? <laughs> well, it's specific. It makes <laughs> it pretty clear what we do. Mine, you see, you know what you're doing. Yeah. You still don't know what I'm doing. The <laughs> <laughs> question is to you. My secret is out. If you don't, then I don't. All right. <laughs> So, yeah, we're, we're not going to have a topic, I can tell. This is going to just wander. We'll get to, we'll get to the topics over. in a minute. Yeah. Okay, Robert. So, um, so Utah Addiction Medicine, we treat folks who are anywhere along the addiction recovery spectrum, and and it's great fun, and we're, um, we're going through some transitions, but I dearly love it. Um, I do also have the privilege of being a medical director for First Step House where I don't deliver care, but I'm trying to help them system build. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I um, somehow end up being the medical consultant to the State Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health. And, you know, I, I know they could pull my record, so... Um, <laughs> well, well, maybe they think based upon your records that you're the perfect person. Yeah. You, have, you have experience. Or perhaps there were no other applicants. Yeah. You know, but, I'm, but I'm still very grateful to have the opportunity to do it. Actually, I applied. It wasn't your scope. Yeah. They pulled my record. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Robert. And I am Corey Markusich. I'm the executive director at Wasatch Recovery. And I don't know, that's as much as I'm going to say, because we need to save time for this wonderful day. Yeah. I don't have much to say about... I'm not as important as these other guys. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Wasatch gets talked a lot about on this podcast. Yeah. Does it? Well, and, and I... I mean, I've, I've... I'm the executive director currently at Wasatch, but I've worked... In various places in in Utah and nonprofit side and and the profit side, so yeah. Somebody, I, I kind of know what I'm talking about. Somebody got to figure mm-hmm. out how to keep the lights on so all the 
Too good, or spin. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> too good. I agree. But too good, or spin. That's right. Everything we've been taught of things in between us, and this yeah. is how we're using it. <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking about having, you know, I mean, everyone put their phone in a basket, you know, before they come in the room, too, yeah. you know, yeah. as, a, as a way to uh, help with this process, too. Yeah. So, I haven't done that yet, though. Which is another interesting topic. Which probably will lead, will, we can get to when we talk about um, yeah. the uh, deaths of despair so a couple topics we're going to try to address and anything else that comes out of those today um really grateful that we have this opportunity to get together and people take some time on their saturday afternoon um and we'll hopefully rejoin uh sometime after the first of the year maybe uh, end of january or february cool so luckily all of us get to see each other uh you know outside of here quite a bit um but anyway let's 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 move on the first first topic today that we want to we want to explore and address is um at least in our industry i think is um probably fundamental to a lot of issues that are going on and that is medication assisted treatment um it's been around for 20 I don't know, 20 years? Method- well, actually, no. Methadone if was we go approved back to in 1974 yeah. Yeah, or so. I, methadone has is, been around for a lot longer. Right, so right. We're talking 45, 50, 45, 50 years almost. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What was it? What, lamb? What was it? Wasn't it lamb or something? Was it there before that or after that? Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember yeah. what it stood for because yeah. I wasn't born yet. Okay. Yeah, it was, whatever it was, it probably wasn't good. It probably wasn't very good. <laughs> so okay. it's not around. The, 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 but but medication-assisted treatment, um, which you know most people do remember, methadone, which um, most of these, I think, fall under the harm reduction model, right? That the idea is to reduce harm so, and so people can live somewhat of a normal life. Um, and there have been two kind of polarized camps a little bit on the issue. Um, those people that believe in medication-assisted treatment and those people that think that people are just perpetuating their, their addiction or their drug abuse or dependency. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to unpack that a little bit today. Maybe even if, and if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about some of the research and uh, some of the original landmark um, articles that were written, hopefully, that uh, why we why we are where we are today, and maybe what the positioning of those camps are. So, um, when we talk about medication assisted treatment, we're also talking about the use of Suboxone, I guess, pri- primarily. Are we able to say that it's okay to say that? Yeah, Suboxone is a name brand. Yeah, but buprenorphine in general yeah. covers all forms of. Yeah. So we're not showing favoritism, right? To a so, particular. yeah, that's that's true, and it comes in a whole bunch of different forms now too. It does, yeah. it does indeed, which yeah. has changed, which has changed. Um, but everyone here, in some form or another, has works with this and is confronted by it. And I will say, a day doesn't go by in my life that it is a point of discussion. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, yep. and those and because we all, in some form or another, work in the treatment industry. Um, it is a, an ongoing issue that everyone has an opinion on. So, where would you guys like to start, and who who would who would like to throw the the first uh, the so first pitch? Most of those opinions are not based on anything other than it's because that's how I 
believe it to be. It's sort of in the same category as religion and politics to some extent. But I think people have. Oh, I love it that you're just going right for it, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is good, right? We're not messing around today. So, right. how, how so? Com- how, how do you compare well, it that this issue is is so volatile? It is volatile. Some, yeah. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I don't quite know. I my suspicion is that many of the people involved in the treatment industry have been through recovery on their own, mm-hmm. and. I would also guess that most of them, yeah, the majority, um, probably have not used medication-assisted treatment simply because the the frequency of incorporating um, medication-assisted treatment into someone's care has dramatically increased in the last few years. Yeah, and that that's that's because. 70,000 people in this country died last year from um, overdose. Overdose. And we're primarily talking about opiates. Primarily. I guess we should say that um, that subutex or suboxone or uh, buprenorphine is used um, as a agonist or antagonist um, Mm -hmm. for opiate addiction, or at least... Yeah, it, it mean it binds onto the opiate yeah. receptors, and the, so it pushes the other stuff out of the way a little bit. There's really three things. So methadone was the the original, uh-huh. and quite frankly, probably still has the best data supporting it. That's um, probably true, and probably the most most people, the highest number of users, I'm going to say, or participants at least in methadone clinics. I think the numbers would. Yeah, would probably say. I mean, the difficulties, the constraints around the actual process. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the second MAT um, is buprenorphine, which comes in a variety of forms. And buprenorphine, as you say, you know, partially stimulates opioid receptors. And this is where a lot of the drama comes from. Is partially stimulated? <laughs> Are you partially high? Yeah, right. um, you know, and, and, and I guess, you know, there's some there's some room for debate and an opinion in 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 that. But when prescribed properly, you can't tell people who are on buprenorphine from people who can't. Right. Whereas you can tell people who are on heroin from people who. Do you do you do you guys agree with that? Well, I was going to say the key is prescribed properly. Was what you said? Yeah, it, it was a huge part of the problem. Yeah, because I don't, and my my belief on this has has changed over over years. Mm. When I first got into this, you know, working in treatment, it was let's see how long has it been. We're talking like twelve, thirteen years now, <laughs> and and it was. I, I had a bad attitude about Suboxone or buprenorphine, yeah. and it was it was one of those. I really it was just I didn't like it. it had nothing to do with it. It pissed me off. Right. People that would come in on it, I'm like, you're an idiot. Get off that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's changed, like you said, over the past. I'd, I'd say my over the past four or five years for me, it's changed mm-hmm. all the way to the point now. It's funny, even when I'm telling people about it, I think back how big of a dick I was about it because I. I was mean. I was. Mm. So you you took that a bit of that purist side. I, yeah. I, okay, I'm going to confess I did too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that I, I did as well. That that there was it was it was the black and white thinking. I think you know what's funny though is mine was just lack of 
of knowledge about it and my own kind of you know my own personal stuff with with me and friends and different people that had used it i i just had a bad attitude yeah and and when i first got into this 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 field what would happen is i would talk to people they'd come in and they would they were using buprenorphine in between their benches right and and to me, I'm just like, okay, you're just, you know, they would go and get a prescription, and I'm sure you, you know how this works. Go get a prescription with no intention on being clean. Had this happen. Right? Never. Because you're a perfect <laughs> doctor. <laughs> right? You can pick them out. But they come in, and this is where I got my bad attitude, is they would come in, no intention on getting clean, right. but the intention on having that in their pocket for when they ran out of something else. Right. Or... Because they had insurance, it became a commodity. Right. So they could go fill their their subs for five bucks at the pharmacy, sell that, and then go get their hair. Twenty bucks a piece. And and so to me, I was like, this is a broken system. This is, and I was witnessing physicians that during the week were very good, you know, ear, nose, and throat docs, or very good. Family docs, and then on Friday <laughs> for half the day, they were an addiction, you know, doctor, and they would prescribe all this stuff to people, yeah. and with with no treatment, with no, I mean, it I, it was driving me mad, and so I had a very bad, bad, strong attitude, but. It's flipped. Almost like some of the attitudes that go around doctors that prescribe opiates. I mean, there, yeah, yeah. there's, I think, what I heard you kind of maybe linking that to is a similar kind of attitude about that. Yeah. Well, and ironically enough, many of the docs who were the pill mills right. 10 years ago mm-hmm. are now running these enterprises that are largely based on dispensing buprenorphine along with Xanax yeah. and some Adderall just to make sure you don't crash the car. (laughs) Make sure you don't fall asleep. (laughs) Well, no, and that is it. Because I I started seeing people, yeah, I mean, they'd, you know, would say, well, yeah, my same doc that gives me my, my buprenorphine is giving me Valium and he's giving me an upper and he's giving me this and he's giving me that. Mm. And they're coming into my office for treatment and I'm doing an assessment and I'm looking at it like, okay, you know, yeah. It, it it I had a hard time with it. So but it has flipped. I actually we use it a lot with with our, you know, our practice. And and I I believe in it. You know what's weird even coming out of my mouth that tastes bad. <laughs> See, I, it's weird, you know. Because I I have learned that it is a necessary thing. But sometimes still it's kind of like am I saying the right thing? Mhm. And I think a lot of it comes from, I had a really good friend that before I even knew anything about drugs, before Mm -hmm. I knew, I mean, I had done things here and there, but he was older than us and he actually went to um, treatment. And this was right when Suboxone first came out, Mm -hmm. like right the first time it got approved. And so I watched him do it and I watched him do it for years and it never really helped him. Mm -hmm. Unbeknownst to me, I knew he, he wasn't doing treatment. He was just kind of putting the band-aid on but I've seen it work you just have to make it in my opinion you have to pair it with good treatment you have to pair it with a good medical piece you have to make sure that it's being watched it's not just a free-for-all because if it is then it it is just a band-aid yeah 
I mean, but it's a tool. It works. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, and the one of the interesting things, and and I mean, the truth of the matter is that everything we do in medicine is harm reduction in one form or another. <laughs> That's true. Whether it's managing your cholesterol or um, and and harm reductions develop this high sort blood of pressure. Yeah, you're right. right. <laughs> uh, uh, this particular usage of harm reduction sort of carries a very negative connotation with it mm-hmm. um, because there is um, potential for abuse and all sorts of things um, so that's a question a lot of people have is I mean that I don't know if maybe this is something to educate uh, people on is I mean can you ab- abuse can you? So the one thing you can definitely do is sell it for more than you got it for. <laughs> okay. Then you make a profit. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. you can go buy what you do actually want sure. to use. Right. And uh, I've had two people in my practice over two years who that was the case. Because I'll call other doctors. I'll call pharmacists. Um Turns out none of them are that interested in speaking to me, but I'll call them anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and some people are not really. <laughs> Just you guys. <laughs> um, but I've had two people who it was a business enterprise, and, sure. yeah. and I'm not willing to be part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the on-again, off-again thing, I'll stay in that game. And the reason I'll stay in that game is that... Um, one, recovery is rarely a linear process. Of course. Yeah. Uh, two, there is actually fairly compelling evidence that people who use buprenorphine with any kind of regularity, a dose two, three a week, mm-hmm. have a much lower chance of having a fatal overdose. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. even if you're going to play that game... Um, as long as we're talking about the game you play in, uh, I'll, I'll stay in there. Yeah. And I'll take it in, you know, inches. What, what can we do to move this a bit further along? Well, isn't it also just from the aspect of keeping a person connected yeah. and, and part of this process, yeah. even though, you know, again, this, they may still be going out and, and using heroin. Or, you know, from time to time. Right. But if they're still using the, the subs, you know, on, on a, on a on, yeah. you know, two or three or four days a week or whatever yeah. you were saying, um, is is that not, is that progress? And I guess that's part, part of the question here. It that, is. That gets, gets daunting, I think, I, at times. It's, it's extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, because how, how do you measure recovery? Is it... Is it in the number of days since I took my last hit? Mm-hmm. Or is it in terms of, uh, is is the organism functioning better? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I, I think of it as two, two different kind of worlds. Because we mainly use it for for a detox purpose yeah and in because we're residential mainly residential right so most most of the my interaction with it now is people that are coming in have you know been using whatever opiate and they need to come down mm. and for that case i don't think there's anything well better. no question yeah. Be, yeah because 
I mean, as you know, hospitals will, will not cover an opiate detox now. It's very rare that right. you can go check in and say, I need a detox because they say, well, you're not going to die. Here's a Gatorade. You're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just tough it out for three days and you're going to be You need to sick. let your patients know to stop and pick up a six pack on their way to detox. Yeah. Yeah. If there's <laughs> alcohol in your system, <laughs> then no pay for it. I'm not going to confirm or deny <laughs> that I, I know that. Can we, can we, we, can we just gave away one of the primary secrets. <laughs> and, yeah, no, go ahead and say it. I mean, let's it's, be. It's true, though. Yeah, unfortunately, the hospital, I, we, we just had an individual about a week ago that came in and he was using meth. We could not admit him because he was, he was pretty spracked out when he came. And so we said, Hey, you you need to chill out and, you know, come back on Monday. And so what he did, he actually did that. He went to the gas station and on his way up to the hospital and drank some alcohol and they admitted him and he was able to detox and he, he got in Unfortunately, that's the way that this medical thing is working. Like, unfortunately, it's also fraud. Yeah. Oh, wait. Did we just say that? That's true. But, we did. But, but, yes. but they know that. You know, I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. I mean, people can get wicked sick. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that they... The, the, the thing that always worries me with opiate detox is that... Almost always there is a benzodiazepine dependence, whether it's detected on urinalysis or not. Mm -hmm. And that's a bad one. Yeah. That's another one that'll kill you. Well, that's one of the worst. I mean, I think, Um, I mean, we've had discussions, I've had discussions with all of you, I think, at one point that Xanax is the most addictive drug practically on the planet. And dangerous. And and down. And I've noticed that, too, because people don't, They'll tell you about heroin and cocaine and alcohol and everything. And unless I specifically say any Xanax or any Benzo, they're like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. But they, they, they will not divulge that. And I agree. I think there's more people that need detox that have that on board. They yeah. just don't bring it up. Yeah. And it, that's when it is dangerous. And, and it's often, I mean, there's like... 30% of the population will test negative for benzodiazepine, specifically, uh, or the most common one is clonazepam, mm-hmm. even if they've, you know, taken it every day for the last five years. Yeah, it just doesn't get detected. It, it just doesn't get metabolized to of the course. molecule that's actually detected in the right. tests. Yeah. Well, in some of the tests, just the quick tests, I mean, they don't catch everything. No. Or, well, you know what I've seen? <laughs> you know, we've had this in the uh-huh. past at our place. Whatever a false positive comes up, it's always a benzo. <laughs> it <laughs> For is, whatever yeah. reason, the And cups. it comes out, it's like, oh, <laughs> so, they start going back to the gym. Right. I mean, no, this is true. Yeah, yeah. They start going back right. to the gym, and all of a sudden, what right. we notice is stuff's coming out. that yeah. wasn't there a week ago. And mm. luckily, you know, we're able it's to not just use a simple cup. I mean, we can get it spun down and tested and know what it is but those simple just quick cups i mean yeah you never know what you're gonna get right but i i mean with the detox piece i i do think with buprenorphine i think it's one of the best things that we could use for us right now because they can't get to the hospital at least we can get them some help and make them comfortable they're not going to be going through crazy withdrawals and everything else yeah and and i 
I am 1000% for that. And then it's the other camp where I think people get this twisted where they're like, you know what? I'm not, I, I don't want my son on that for the rest of his life. And right. I don't want that. And, and it's a tricky thing, right? Because so I just, I just gave a talk, the, um, uh, Brent Kelsey kind of set me up at the last minute to give a talk at the state meeting in St. George about um, medication-assisted treatment. And then I looked at the list of sponsors, and it was it was the uh, <laughs> hardcore 12-step guys. And, and, and I'm a 12-step guy. And I go to 12-step meetings, and I work the steps, and I have a sponsor and do all that stuff. So... Um, so I look at that and I think, okay, this is going to be a bit tricky. This is kind of tiptoeing through the tulips, right? <laughs> and um, well, why? Let's tell everyone why. Why? Because the, these are the the traditionally the treatment centres that are adamantly opposed to the use of buprenorphine, right? Despite there being some evidence of benefit, <laughs> the evidence isn't as good as everyone thinks it is. <laughs> But but there's some evidence we'll, of benefit. We'll, we'll get to the, we'll get to the evidence. But this and is the purest side. So we're so, talking about the purest side. So there's a no. lot. Of, actually, I was well, I was surprised when I got there. What the what a nice mix it was. Um, and the story that I that I kind of started off with, you know, was uh, I I stole from Bob Dupont, who was the. The, the first drugs are under Nixon and then Carter and and then um, yeah no accidents there yeah, by the way <laughs> no Johnson that's right right is Nixon Johnson Carter yeah and then he founded NIDA and he is an 80 year old gentleman he is a lovely lovely man um, who is uh, he would not mind my saying he's you know, very open about his his status in recovery of about fifty years. Wow! And um, if you have a chance to read this, if you will Google um, his testimony in front of Congress that was done in the last couple of years, it is it is a beautiful, beautiful summing up of the problem. And he starts out by saying, I, I have no desire to fuel the antagonism between the MATs and the non-MATs. Mm -hmm. That I think it discredits us as a profession, it leaves people confused, and there is no benefit other than creating a wider divide. Um, what I will say is that we all need to do a hell of a lot better than we're doing. Hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And, um, and part of what that means is that people's care is individualized. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And this is the key, is, is, to, is to spend the, the time to kind of figure out where a given person is. There's yet a third drug, Vivitrol, uh, Vivitrol extended release now, Trexone. <laughs> right. Um, which is a complete blocker of the receptor. Mm -hmm. Very effective in some people. 
utterly useless in others. <laughs> and, and again, the science... You mean it's not the magic wand? Unfortunately. <laughs> not that it's the magic wand. <laughs> and if I can jump in. Right? Please, I, yeah. Brett, I have been here. I stepped out for a minute. <laughs> um, well, welcome back, Brett. <laughs> well, I've been here. I, I, I'm listening because um, the individuals that are sitting around me, I, I know that you're in it. And day to day... Um, and so I was gleaming what I could out of the uh, the conversation, and I have to go all the way back to the uh, medication is about harm reduction, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then the the comment that you just you just made that it needs to be individualized, right? Yeah. How, how difficult is that, though? I mean, it's um, incredibly right. So, but if I go back to this harm reduction, I think it's important. You know, we'll throw these terms out, but what is harm reduction? And then and and do we have an end game? You know, what what is it that we're we're going to facilitate? If it's just to reduce the harm, um, I, th- I think we're we're missing the point. It, it, you know, that, to me, that's the compassion. You know, that, that comes in is we want to be compassionate with the, uh, each individual, um, and and reduce the, the the first level of harm, which you know could be life threatening. Yeah. Um, but we have to get to the to the meaning because the, the word recovery came up, right? So this is the idea. What are right. we recovering? And I've recently, you know, looked at it and, and I've had different thoughts and I'm sure I will again. But for me, um, when I got into recovery, really what that came down to is, is I returned to a sense of my life had meaning. Mm-hmm. And... And this is coming up in a lot of the things I'm listening to. It, 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 you know, it's not about being sober. You know, it, right. sober is is just an aspect that that is necessary to a certain degree. I, I can't say for a surety, but um, to find meaning in one's life, right? I mean, I think we could all agree that you know, at first it was how do I become responsible? You know, and 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 that was true. I, you know, there was that level, but it, my life had meaning. And and so if we can be compassionate, offering the medication to assist them uh, uh, in a compassionate healing so that they can get a sense of meaning again. And um, this long-term use um, is one avenue to do it. But there's where you said, you know, there's no treatment with it. Yeah. Right. So. Um, oh, that's a very important point is the idea of just using the medication mm-hmm. without the the coaching mm-hmm. or the counseling right. or the therapy yeah. behind it, which yeah, often right. gets confusing. I mean, it's just, the same things happen with, with, you know, with anxiety and depressive. Yeah. So, so, so I just wanted to tell this one story about this talk that I gave in this room full of people who, who were definitely the majority were, were non MAT proponents. Um, and I said, you know, I've been was actually trying to get sober in the nineties. It took me a couple more decades to sort it out. But, um, but uh, good practice. And at that time, in AA meetings, people were saying things like, "If you're on an antidepressant, you're not sober." And um, and and my guess is that in in ten years we'll be having a similar discussion about this and I just I'm not going to use the gentleman's name but he is um, uh, someone who is 
high up in one of the biggest uh, 12-step programs in this state. He ran up to the podium afterwards and he said, I finally get it because that was me. I stopped my Prozac. I spent another 15 years drinking during which I lost my family and my house and um, and it was all because somebody with an opinion probably not an educational based one well obviously <laughs> not I mean, <laughs> well, no, I, I mean really I mean, you know so this is the this is the problem with this issue right, right. it's black and white thinking about it mm-hmm. and when it does include any any psychotropic substance right. it, I mean why, why are we doing any of this to begin with I, I, I understand the purity thinking behind it yeah but you know well that actually I have a question about it's that it's just not healthy and it's not balanced and it's not what you know we're bringing mm-hmm. up the concept of you know you, each client is an individual person and you start where the client's at yeah. so I mean just I mean I know this sounds silly but if a no. client's depressed you treat the depression right yeah because the the alcoholism or the addiction associated with it they're they're combined together you can't treat one well, without the we talk about point. this yeah we, we, we you know humans we do love to lump things together <laughs> right <laughs> and and I think we've well, come brains to this. do it to make it easier <laughs> right it's, so it's just because yeah. you know we we just we sort of have to to sort of things but um, <laughs> like sangria but I, you know uh, <laughs> it's exactly what I was thinking um, so but the truth of the matter is I no longer believe that addiction is addiction is addiction I think addiction is a final common pathway in which there are behaviours around drug use that becomes sufficiently problematic. Mm-hmm. But the road to get there can be very different. Yeah. It can be driven by genetics, it can be driven by environments, it can be driven by both. Age of exposure. I mean, there are so many different variables. Trauma. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Growing up in a household in which... Um, you know, little children are traumatized and parents are advocating, you know, they're having a beer with the family when they're seven years old, yeah. you know. But well, uh, certain, certain cultures, you know, that... Uh, right. And, and it doesn't have the same consequences, you know. Right. We're talking about the Western culture here. Right. And so to understand that, even with the depression, right, if somebody comes in... They, they have addiction and depression. Yes, you want to treat the the depression, but that's it's so coined that we go to all right. So now we get to antidepressants. Um, if we're treating each individual, then uh, and and we identify depression instead of treating it, we first need to understand it. Depression may be the motivation. Uh, to move a person into a life of meaning, mm-hmm. yet uh, in this culture, it's it's um, it's harm reduction. Oh my gosh, you know you're, you're depressed. We got to fix that depression. Yeah, it may this. be part of of the journey of individuation of of uh, you know mythologically to right. to step into one's journey, the hero's journey. 
That's why I say, yes, I think it's important to do individually, but can we really? Well, you know, in this, in this day and age. Set and, and subject, I right? think, well, this yeah. is the thing. This is, and this is something that has always bugged me. So if I go to my family doctor right now, I walk in and I say, hey, you know, I'm having a bad day or, you know, mm-hmm. it's been a rough week or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going to say, oh, well, he's going to run down his little quick list of, mm-hmm. you know, 10 questions or whatever. Are you depressed? And then I'm going to leave there with a prescription, right? Mm-hmm. And I, it drives me crazy. You know, I mean, this is my own personal thing. And actually, no, I'd no, love your, your opinion on this. because Yeah, people are pissed if I don't give them a prescription <laughs> or something. <laughs> right. They feel give it to me. Yes. Well, right. Well, and that's what I mean. Like, we, we've, but back to even what we just talked about with, with MAT, you know, if it, to, to properly work on that, I mean, you know, if I get buprenorphine, I should you know, do some counseling, whether that's seeing a counselor or a treatment, whatever it is, yeah, yeah. individualized, yeah, yeah. but you got to do something. Same thing with depression and anxiety, you know? Right. I, and I, again, I was joking about how, you know, an ear, nose and throat doctor is a professional half the day. That wasn't funny, by the way. It's kind of funny. We're all laughing though, Robert. He's just yanking. With you. With you. We're laughing. It's kind of funny. He's not laughing. But same thing happens with, you know, same, same thing. Like I, right. I know that you know when, when you know when you're doing residency when you're doing your stuff. We they teach you enough, you know, about certain things. But I right. don't feel that a good family doctor can say, "Here you go," you know, you know, let's try this for thirty days and then come back to me, because right. there's a handful of antidepressants and, yeah. and, and how they work. We got to figure it out. And if you're not working with somebody that knows what's going on, I think it can make it worse. And the way our culture is question yeah and, and the way our culture is like here you go take this and if i don't get an immediate response and i might have a great day tomorrow then something's wrong right and then mm-hmm. i try something else to try something right. else mm-hmm. when really in my experience what i've seen some good therapy and some good counseling paired with some medication can help a lot of people mm-hmm. but they miss that and they think well right. this isn't working right when really i mean a lot of a lot of the healing is in talking as in treatment right. meeting with a professional I mean taking an antidepressant because you're depressed about some trauma that you had when you're a child is not going to make that go away mm-hmm. right? I don't care how many damn pills you take <laughs> unless right. it's some good stuff right yeah. <laughs> but even that that's just masking and right. and you need to work on that and I think it's the I mean the same lines we're talking about with MAT. Mm-hmm. Now that I kind of think about it as yeah. I'm talking, mm-hmm. there are there are, there are, cor- so, there are correlations. Yeah. There's I mean, just, so there was a study done recently, and and we've unfortunately as a, as a country we have culturally created what I call Seven Eleven medicine, where your interaction with a physician is about as long as it is when you go and buy a mm-hmm. big yeah. gulp. <laughs> um, but it takes about as much time as it does to get a Slurpee, is what I hear yeah. you saying. Yeah, and 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 the and actually, there at Seven Eleven, they're usually more friendly. Yeah, like, yeah. At least yep. say hi to you. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Instead of look at the clipboard and get out of here. Would you like a tequila to go with that? Mm-hmm. Um, but they oh. they they measured the average time period. Um, before the patient was interrupted by the provider. 17 seconds. Really? 
So, 17 seconds of information. Um, and then That's I'm going to... I'll do the talking from here. Thank you very much. And, you know, and, and this is not how relationships are built. What, you know, medicine has lost its soul to... I don't want to go off into my, you know, corporate thing. But, I mean, this is part of the reason for me that kind of having this little praxis that is not corporatized right. nor will mm-hmm. I ever allow it to be um, this is kind of what I think Brett was touching upon this mm-hmm. idea yeah. of wanting to f- of finding out what what, what the person is trying to discover what what's really going on in their life or what's missing when yeah. it comes to finding purpose or or, or um, the their their authentic self whatever whatever mm-hmm. terminology we want to use yeah. but I mean you talked about the hero's journey I mean we don't we don't have the same kind of rites of passage I mean you and I talked to, actually I've talked to all of you about this but mm-hmm. we don't have the same kind of rites of passage that you know that cultures and societies had for a long time most of them have been kind of whitewashed out in to right. you know, just get a job and or get a driver's license, have sex. I don't know which order you guys do that in, but you know, the the, the, yeah, 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 the right order. <laughs> One way we're born with that. Right. You, get, you get a car, you, know, you graduate <laughs> high school, you get a job, it usually maybe, helps you, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're making money and you're a consumer. And as long as we can keep you doing that, and I know I'm talking to what I'm saying here, and yeah. so I'm, I'm catching you're, it. You're pushing me. We're buddy. missing some. We're, we're missing the soul. We are. I mean, this is. Please. Okay, just real quick is it, once again. So then you mentioned the medical community that they've lost their soul, and and like yourself, you know, they're um, different degrees, right? So an addict's going to a doctor to get a solution, where it's uh, most likely possible that that potentially they're addicted to money, right, and status, you know. And, and when you hear a doctor just looking at a, a clipboard, you know, right. it, it doesn't feel like he is fully engaged in what he started out to do. Yeah. So this is, you know, once again, addiction and, and what is it about? Yeah. I, you know, how far does this go? Um, and, right and how do we identify it and, and assist each other in healing? Because ultimately what you said, Corey, was, um, you know, you go to a general doctor for a depression and then you go, wait a minute. You know, there's personal... Um, uh, the the individuals, the necessity for the individual to step into it. We're here to offer a uh, a way to to get a foundation, right? And to give them at least uh, you know some direction. But it's up to the individual. I'm yeah. going to be and, and that's the doctor guys. as well. You right? Know? Um, <laughs> there, there's not. Um, yeah, it it's an individual's. Um, uh, ultimate, yeah. right? I mean, it, it, you know, we can do everything that that is possible and based mm-hmm. on the information, but the individual uh, is the one that's going to need to make that. up to them. Yeah, I yeah. had a parent the other day say, thanks so much for, you know, helping him become such a great person and this, this, and that. And, and I said, you know, we, we, I said, thank you, but mm-hmm. we don't do that. I said, we give them all the tools. Mm-hmm. We point them in the right direction. It's up mm-hmm. to them to do the work. And if they do it, they, they'll, they can. They can be great people. But don't, you know, it, I, I didn't do much. Right. Like, mm-hmm. we, we gave them, we guided right. them, but mm-hmm. they have to make that decision. In fact, mm-hmm. this was all in them even before they came here. They just had lost 
track or touch yeah. with it. I think yeah. that's kind of what we're, you know, I'm, I'm saying right. too. Yeah. This idea though of like, I think you said, Robert, you said 17 seconds, which means wow. there's not a lot of listening going on. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That, I mean, we're not really Dur- listening. Dur- is now so and, precious yeah. to type on the typewriter. I, I refuse to have one of those bloody things in, in the room. Um, you mean a computer? Because if you had a typewriter in the in the room, I'd really be impressed. Yes. <laughs> no, I do not have a typewriter. <laughs> I what, what is a typewriter? Listen, Everyone's <laughs> having a typewriter. <laughs> What's a typewriter? Yeah. You have to change the ink, too, or what? Yeah. <laughs> are you guys set? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. By the way, Robert, this okay, is wait. an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, pull out your letter. I'm making an appointment. I'm just going to come in. I want to see this. No. The, the, the other part of this, though, that I, I just want to wrap around it, then is the idea about um, treating the symptom, though. So you walk into the doctor's office. Right. Yeah, I've been feeling down for a while. Oh, well, here you go. You know, like this this subs, this this little pill with it that's going to be, you know, switching up a few little things with your neurotransmitters is going to change everything. Like the brain, you know, knows, knows what to way. do, right? Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> like, but without the other parts, without the other components of it, we, we just end up continuing yeah. to treat the symptom, which, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, as long as I've been in, in the treatment business too, that doesn't work either. Right. I mean, if, if we if we just focus on the addiction itself and the substance, we end up avoiding the really underlying issues right. and problems that are mm-hmm. contributing to it in the first place. Well, we, yeah. we, we get into that role, the same, you know, this harm reduction is protecting the individual. You know, it, it, we're here to save you, you know, to protect you right. from yourself. And, and um, the, for the most part, that's not, you know, compassion, absolutely necessary. But this idea that we need to save you, I think is part of uh, uh, the condition that's going on around medicine. No, we're here to give you uh, compassion yeah. and support for you to save your yourself. And and uh, and I, gosh, I just you know this thought of how do we support the doctors, right? Um, in in yeah. their ability to to make a living and have a related process, right? Yeah, well, I don't know many dogs that aren't making a living. They they may not be able to have as many you know Maseratis or whatever <laughs> but bad luck mm-hmm. um, you're still going to do better than most mm-hmm. um, so so with me I mean I, I really do kind of have the a Maslow-ish hierarchy of needs and and when I first meet someone and I you know say well, tell me Why'd you make an appointment today? What were you interested in talking about? Mm-hmm. And we go off on that. And then I make sure that they know that I have I have a hierarchy of 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 goals here. And when I'm dealing with somebody who is opioid dependent or is an advanced alcoholic or whatever they may be, goal number one is uh, I don't want you to die between now and our next visit. So here's naloxone uh, rescue kit for you, which um, the uh, the county's been very very generous yeah, yeah. in allowing us to give away and giving them to us for nothing, and so we give those out. 
and then kind of launch into the rest of that so this is where we are today what do you think is your next step forward what, yeah, I have lots of people who they're not really ready to stop shooting dope yet yeah. and, and I'm okay with that you know it's have you lost patience? Many. Be, well, what I mean is, like, because you, your approach. Uh, like, I don't know. Because I mean, I know a lot of people are looking just for just write me my damn scripts. So like, right, <laughs> right, right, right. No, I mean, I, I, I have wondered. I have wondered, and I have a few that keep me awake at night at all times, but. Um, I think most of your at least. But I can tell them they should stop shooting dope right now. Yeah, I'm gonna make it happen. But I, I think most, at least the ones that I've sent to you and mm. referred, most people know when they're coming to you that they're going to be getting that interaction. I think that's what helps in in your situation mm. because I don't think very, if they're coming to you, they know. Okay, he's he's going to help me. He cares. He wants to sit down. It's not yeah. just. Okay, let's look at the clipboard. Mm. I had plenty of people that have come into our treatment center that have met with our so our our medical doctor, our psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. He's very similar to your. He's your a guy. Yeah, he sits down, he goes through everything with them, and I can't count how many times a client has told me, "Why does he take so much time with me? <laughs> why, why why is he like? Why does he want to know all of this stuff?" And they're not used to that, you right. know. And it's funny Far to them right. because they're like, "Why, why does he care?" And to us, we all get it, right? right. But to That's them, sad though. Yeah, for to our them, they're like, right? He asked me all these questions <laughs> because he wants to know. Yeah, he does. It's the best yeah. best way to do it. It's and the he only way to do it. Yeah, and he won't prescribe until he knows everything. And we may have to do this again tomorrow, or in three days, or whatever. And he does. And he also says, yeah. I mean, and I know he's not alone, and that you know this. We don't know if this is going to work. Yeah, I mean, he'll just be right up front. You know, the, that's right. We, we need to meet again to see how things are in you know yeah. so many days. Yeah. The luxury though there is that they are getting the treatment. Yeah, you know, I mean, he knows that they they leave him and they go back into group <laughs> for the rest of the day mm. and for the next month. You know, so yeah, I mean, in your situation, I think it's a lot harder because they leave your office. And they're back to work, or they're back with their family, mm. you know. And so it's, I, I think, you taking more time with them is really more important than in a residential setting. It, it, it does come a point, you know, where if if I will, if I make it quite clear that judgment is is beyond my pay grade, it's not my job to tell you whether you should stop shooting heroin or not. Um, you, you you probably realize the. Uh, you know the 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 perils of of that. Um, my question is, what could we do today that might move you? There's obviously a reason you came. Yeah, right. <laughs> Why are you here? What did you have in mind? <laughs> um, we do that enough, and we do that enough, and eventually we build enough relationship that that. Um, you know, a more aggressive approach becomes possible. Well, and and sometimes they don't exactly know, except they want 
the pain to stop. To stop. Yeah. Or they're so scared to be yeah. sick. Yeah. yeah. And they're reduce the suffering. Yeah. yeah. They want. They want to reduce the suffering. Yeah. Um, that they don't don't. And I mean, not the coining phrases, but that life's becoming unmanageable. I mean, it probably has been for a long time. But yeah. the the pain of continuing to do what they're doing is gotten unbearable and they want to do something different yeah is normally why they end up mm-hmm. and i mean even when people come to treatment we know within you know a week or two whether they're done i mean they know they figure that out because yeah. some some people the they once they kind of get somewhat clear-headed they realize um the pain maybe wasn't that bad huh. you know and that's one of the things that we, we notice is that they're 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 not ready. They, the, they, they the still, purposeful forgetter. Yeah, yeah a purposeful <laughs> a purposeful forgetter. Exactly. Um, like you know, people like yeah, that's you know that's the the addict in your your brain or whatever you know the addictive mind or, or whatever absence yeah, of frontal yeah. lobe function. Yes. Yeah, it's just not on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 nothing up to that point has turned it on. Yeah. As much as you know, we, we we try even you know with group and talk therapy to to do that and yeah. it, it mm-hmm. the person has to be ready and, and again so starting where the person's at that becomes <laughs> that be, that becomes the, the probably the most important component it's not like about uh, i think you know brett that your focus has been for you know the year, years that you you and i've worked together is you know getting to know the individual and mm-hmm. and and wanting to find out really what what they want out of life I mean, what their purpose mm-hmm. is what are their what are their goals and i just i don't mean the basic goals i mean mm-hmm. i'm t- thinking more the purposeful or, or soulful goals right. that people have and and a lot of them one of the things that that i mean I, I guess, gosh, I, we, we talk about, and Corey's been down to the desert, and we, you're taking people down into an experience like that mm-hmm. often connects them to something that they, they uh-huh. can find more connected to the earth or the planet or whatever, God in some form or another, um, spirit, and, uh, and, and what it takes to, to get people to do that. It's very difficult in a short period of time, mm-hmm. you know, especially within the systems that we have created now. But one of the things that I was, I, I kind of side wax philosophical there for a second, sorry, but the idea of sitting down and coaching people to discover that mm-hmm. that has really been your focus for a while is, is mm-hmm. beyond yeah. just you know right. what's causing the pain but what is it you want to do different right what's the meaning for you yeah you know and 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 not be prejudiced um i you know i've thought back um on uh, certain clients that have come through and when i was in this very responsible right wrong um uh, which is part of you know the experience. It, it, you know, I'm not saying that it doesn't have a place. It, it was all right. You, you know, here you are. How do we get you to this? And yeah, for an example, clients have come in, and and I've, I've had a handful of them, usually younger. And I, well, I want to be a, a a DJ, right? And they were just stuck in this this idea of fame, and then I'll, everything will be all right. And I roll my eyes, and you know. Um, and these folks didn't do well because it, it you know, the the idea that they were going to, uh, what they wanted was this fame. You know, it was still part of the compulsive, uh, wanting to get to the the rock star level, right? And but what was missed is there was something in that that was talking to them. It may not have been, you know, consciously that, that what they wanted, but there's something underneath that that says the rhythm, the vibration, the movement, the the joy, you know, and and so. We have to take time, you know, with them to to, to understand what's what's really wants to be manifested, and it, um, 
it's difficult in in every system that we have you know so the the fact that you're talking to your client um is a pointer to uh, you know there's something natural about that right how do you, how do you heal it's it's through connection you know yeah. um right um through the center you know or the heart whatever that is yeah. it's uh so the blend is the compassionate medicine, at least from just my my perspective, right? Which is just an opinion, you know. Um, is how do we offer the compassionate um, uh, approach using medication um, so that they can individuate, so that so that they can mm. find their way, and mm. not to do it for them, you know. Mm. Even pointing to a direction, you know. It has to be their path, mm-hmm. right? Or it won't have meaning for them. So, Hey, one of the things on that that I've been struggling with uh, uh, regarding um, Matt uh, is the, I, the idea of being um, in touch with emotional expression and, being, and, and using some of these, these medications. And I, I realized I've had a bias about this. Uh, mm-hmm. That still, even though I'm like, yeah, let's all let's go for this. This is important. This is a is a tool to help somebody. But are they able to effectively, uh, uh, you know, emote? Are they yeah. are they able mm-hmm. to so, to get in touch with their a I deep can, level of emotion to do a certain level of work? Mm-hmm. And I think I've had a bias thinking they can. And am, am, am I? Am I inaccurate? In, I've in got that a question thing? that'll go along with that too that I want you to answer. Oh, so yeah, executive functioning, pre, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know if somebody is intoxicated, we're not supposed to have somebody in group, right? Because they can't, you know, they're just not thinking right. They can't make their right decisions, everything like that. The argument, which is the same with the emotions, you know, if someone can't have their emotions, then they also are not making the right decisions. So. If somebody is on buprenorphine, whether, I don't know, whatever dose, whatever you want to call it, but that is an argument that I get a lot from different, you know, people in the field that they should not can a spiritual awakening, they can't consciously make a decision, they can't have the right emotions, and... and or they're muted in some Yeah, they're, they're, they're numb. Yeah. They're numb. Yeah. So... Be smart and tell me why. That's right. You know, it's not me being smart. It's a guy called Marv Seppala, who is the he's the medical director for Hazelden, which, as I'm sure all of you will know, is was a you know that's the original Minnesota model, right? Yeah, right. The original the um, And a number of years ago, um, when Marv took over that job, he said we uh, organizationally every Hazelden. Uh, facility is going to make medication-assisted treatment available for its patients when appropriate. And uh, as you can imagine, you know the the, the board all shit themselves, and half the employees, you know, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I mean, half the counselors who've been there for years and years were, you know, just thoroughly insulted by the idea and and left. And Marv said, I'm sorry you're doing this because I think it's going to help. And um, and he's, he, there's a, a paper that's coming out. Um, but he was kind enough to talk to me on the phone before um, before I gave that talk. And he, he said, what's interesting is that about a... Th- people will self-segregate into a third buprenorphine 
Vivitrol and um, just traditional abstinence pills. Mm-hmm. And then they all otherwise do the same program. Yeah. And he said um, that one of the interesting things about it was that the counselors enjoyed working with patients who were on MAT because rather than spending a great deal of time talking about drug and craving and this and that, they were actually able to delve into deeper layers of what's gone on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's reasonable from that to conclude that at least on, on, on that length of, of time, which they hold them in, they hold them in a program for, I think it's up to a year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of the goal of, I think right now of, of, of most, Right. Centers that are progressive. Yeah. They want to keep them engaged in some level of care for a year. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's the uh, centers that we do. I mean, obviously, that's not residential treatment for a year, but whatever mix it is, yeah. we can get them engaged for we a year. Five and have them do random UAs. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is their individual center, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Right. So this is what Bob DuPont said. He said, you, you know how I know we're doing not as well as we should? It's because when doctors and pilots get in trouble, they spend five years in a program and they are monitored and they are counseled by people who are, you know, educated Mm -hmm. in um, what they do for a living and uh, what they're treating. Do they... I've heard this and I get both answers. Mm -hmm. Do you know, do they prescribe buprenorphine to pilots that are no. in... Re- yeah. <laughs> and, Why? And doctors both. Um, and, yeah, and physicians. And, and yeah. It's, it's become this kind of huge contentious subject because if in fact... I mean, you know, SAMHSA, CDC, and all the rest of them, um, ASAM, have all now gone right to the point of saying this is the standard of care right Um, I don't know that I agree with that but that's what they say so if this is the standard of care why would we apply that to everybody except people in safety sensitive positions because there have been neurocognitive testing uh, studies on people who are appropriately treated. There have been neuromotor studies, uh, all sorts of things, and there's not a shred of evidence that reaction time is slowed, decision making is meaningfully altered. Um, so this is the executive functioning you're asking about, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of the frontal lobe stuff. Yeah, okay. Yes, brakes okay. and steering and and the nuance. Even though a pilot's just on autopilot anyway, right? right. <laughs> 
studies with that, with the pilots. I mean, it has the highest success rate. Yeah, uh, any you know any data that's been collected, they have the highest of flying in five years. Yeah, uh, yeah. And but one of the key, and this comes from yeah, Kevin McCauley, um, yeah, uh, who we've had around. Um, shout out to Kevin. I think you're in Hawaii. Uh, maybe you're listening. <laughs> oh, I heard he's back. He's oh, he's like, back. He is. No, he's, he's, your house he, he's a fellow for the Meadows. I oh, mean, along side people like Claudia Black. Yeah, he's at the Meadows. I'm going to call him see if his place in Maui. So. I, th- I, I may Quite have lost what I... Oh, no, here, here we were. The, the data is, um, you know, the highest. But once again, there's meaning. Uh, flying is everything to them. There right? is a sort of and so There's so much in there. And then, you know, where's the IQ? Where's the... You know, there's all this other information that, that, that goes into that, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it, yes, absolutely five years. But, and, but the gist of it is... They'll lose their ability to do the thing they love the most, you know, that has meaning to them. And so yeah, they've worked there's for the motivation. So yeah. how do we incorporate that at well, the how base level? I'm not sure I understand the... Well, well if, they, if they don't comply, yeah. they're going to lose their, their, yeah. their okay. pilot's license. Got it, and, yeah. and to them, right, it, it, that, the that price is, is too high. Yeah. It, uh, the consequence, and, and not consequence, and it has to be negative, but the outcome of this, that consequence... Is going to be that the, the right. one thing that has meaning uh, dissolves, and it could be the, the meaning is status. It could be, but whatever it is, that's where we're seeing the success. How do we implement that aspect? You know, because you mentioned Maslow, um, and I and I think I've got the basis: food, shelter. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what we got? Food and shelter, love, be TV. loved. Um, but where's <laughs> meaning? You know, all of those things are there. Um, for our physical well-being and, and the emotional, yeah, and and at that point, then we we pick up a, some kind of meaning and self-actualization. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where and, that, and that's where the meaning would come in, I, I suppose. And, yes. And, well, par- partially, but it's also uh, you know. <laughs> Bring a little rat park in here for a second because mm-hmm. it's also about bonding with something, right? And a pilot has bonded with that career, and maybe it is status for them, or maybe it, it hits them identity. at some core level, but with their identity. Yeah. But it's 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 a, it's a big enough bond, and it's something that right. that resonates for them so deeply mm-hmm. that they the choice I think is is easier. There's so much mm-hmm. purpose right. underlaying that, regardless mm-hmm. of maybe some of the other ego centric pieces that are or components of it, mm-hmm. and that. I, I agree with you, and yeah. I, I think that that finding that bond with that, with what, whatever it is, a person, place, or thing, mm-hmm. that you know, and if it's if it's healthy, generally speaking, you know, then it, it's really motivating. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know you mm-hmm. and I've talked about sort of the faulty thinking in the Rat Park stuff, yeah. um, just because there are there are some there are some challenges to it, and there's some things that don't always line up. But I think that because it's all, it comes down to what what do we bond with? What do I bond with? Right. What really means yeah. the most to me, and yeah. that comes down back right. down to purpose and so. One, one of the things I loved about Johan Hari's uh, "Chasing the Scream" book mm. was, I, I think he leant too heavily on the Rat Park thing and didn't really understand what Alexander was looking at, who was the scientist who did it. But you know, his point was that that. Recovery is about connection. And more and more, you know, for me, it's about I kind of belong to this select group of human beings with some with some deluxe features. <laughs> and, um, 
Brad. <laughs> but, but, it, but, but it's so cool that I know mm-hmm. I could talk to any one of you guys mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. some crazy shit going on in my head, and you go, oh, yeah. Yeah. How's every day? Let's go get breakfast. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. You know, whereas, like, other people are running the other direction, you know. We took a little break there for a moment, uh, but we're we're now back. Okay, as far as, like, summing up anything we want to do about mats, is there any, any kind of closing thoughts you guys have about this? I mean, we didn't go into the literature. Um, and I don't know if you we want to just try to do a little condensed version of that. I don't know or? if it would be terribly interesting, yeah. but I'll say that the... Um, the original landmark literature, I think, is what most... Well, there is no original landmark <laughs> literature. It's really just <laughs> exaggeration of these tiny little studies that were done, you know, um, and, and have now become quoted as landmark literature. But if you go back and look at them, it's like, you know, 12 junkies in Baltimore... <laughs> Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> was it Baltimore or Moscow? I can't remember. No, right. Moscow was was extended release now. Trexan. Yeah, right. They had yeah. three hundred, you know, drunk Russians, and at the end they had like a hundred and twenty left. And the ones that got Vivitrol seemed to drink a bit less than the ones that didn't. And so the FDA said, "Good show. Let's approve it." <laughs> It worked. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Okay. <laughs> it's mad. Salute. Yeah. Okay. But what's, what's so fascinating is that the clinical differences I see with that, that med- extended release naltrexone in particular, mm-hmm. I mean, I have people for whom that is a miracle drug. Yeah. I mean, they just like, I don't even think about drinking um, and then I have other people who consider it a challenge. Sure, sure. And that's why this is why, why I think one of the topics we've kept going back to is how individualized this yeah, is, right? right? Yeah, because yeah. really, and, and you've got to get to know the person. So, asking questions and conversing and listening, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. becomes so important. Not that seventeen-second stuff, right? Right. <laughs> so, not only do I not think about alcohols and awesome what are you thinking about right yeah what a um, great question yeah Yeah. Yeah. well and a lot of people don't don't understand i think that naltrexone can even be used for alcohol and because it's not for everyone but it it is there it can be and there are some good results so as there are with interestingly enough gambling um some eating disorders Mm -hmm. And so, well, addictions, not addictions, not addiction, in yet another way, sometimes it is. It's interesting. Isn't it? Because this kind of ties into the whole, I mean, that that component is, they talk about being cravings, right? That Mm. it, it, you know, minimizes or, or lowers certain levels of craving. But that that really comes down to um, the idea that it's changing the charge from the triggers on some level. Yeah. It's either responding. There's a, a lower yeah. level of response associated with that. So I find that that whole idea and component fascinating. Yeah, yeah me yeah. too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on 
to topic two, if that's okay. <laughs> we didn't spend too much time well, there. This is the talking. dark one. It's the dark one. I'm looking yeah. forward to this. Looking forward old, to this. Old, uh, okay. So, and this really can go off into other areas, including technology, by the way. Um, but we're, we're approaching it from what we do, and we deal with this a lot. Um, uh, and it's the death of despair. And um, death of despair meaning that people that die from um, uh, suicide or drug overdoses or some type of prolonged self-harm, um, which can be dr- drug-related as well. Um, but not everyone dies from a drug overdose. Some people dr- die from drug detox as well. Um, and I know that these numbers, even they've been growing dramatically, and we the term opiate epidemic... Um, I think you and I were talking about this, Robert, the other day. Mm. We're actually in the third opiate epidemic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're not in the... This is not the first one. This is... Not the first one. Yeah, this is the third round. But it's the first one that involves cute little kids of (laughs) white upper middle class families. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The waspy Caucasian kind of people, right? Now it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Exactly. Was it too rude? I was was rude. I mean, I... You know. It's also the first one that here in our culture here that it's involved a prominent religion. You know, I mean, it's it's on the forefront. You can't not watch the news and it comes out. Every day. And, And this isn't brand new. Yeah, I mean it's this is yeah I, I it touches it, every family in some yeah. way everyone everyone knows someone who's struggling right. with right. Uh, an, uh, an opiate addiction yeah and and like us we see it every day we've seen it every day for years and then I see a news article that's like oh this is happening mm-hmm. it's like well yeah it's been happening for years right yes. Yes. this isn't yeah. a new situation yeah. <laughs> but it's if, fun to talk about now because there are people out there who have not read Sam Quinones' book Dreamlands yeah which is remarkable it is a, it remarkable, is a remarkable piece of work describing how we came to this sort of place yeah and and I, I we could do a whole show just on that book because how much is condensed into it. it's such it's one it's beautifully written but it, it tells this story that which similar to johan hari's storytelling mm. but much to, he's looking at one particular thing mm. and it's fascinating the to think about think about it and and how you know the opiate epidemic created that whole, you know, West Coast Mexican uh, 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 pizza delivery yeah, service. Yeah, yeah, pizza delivery yeah. service, right? Yeah, it's really remarkable. Yeah. It's really, really how, I mean, really, what started it was Jayco back to good old medical. Um, and I, I didn't vote for Jayco, by the way. Um, but I, you know, saying pain is the fifth vital sign. And then there was a little paragraph, letter to the editor, that was written in the New England Journal of Medicine hmm. from a fellow who was an oncologist, Glick, I think his name was. And, and it said, it's interesting to me that we run this oncology clinic Yet rarely do I see addictive patterns of behavior with um, with opioid. That surprises me. And that became a landmark article for, produ- 
for yeah. Purdue Pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Who, the, the professional marketing company. <laughs> the most sinister marketing strategy yeah. ever. Oh, and then... Yeah, I, I don't want to go too far off from here because <laughs> yeah, I can't, yeah, no, no, adjusting my gets a little uncomfortable. <laughs> but the, uh, the, 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 the Sattlers, uh, you know, who are being yeah, yeah. sued, um, they're uh, they live in here part of the year, by the way. Oh, do they? Do they have got a uh, quite a, a beautiful. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I, I know do. what I'm saying, and I'm just realizing what I'm about to say. So I'm not going to tell you where they live, but they are. Um, proponents yes. of the um, the the ski resorts here and sure. uh, they have a, yeah. a, a beautiful home up by one big of them. oxycotton statue <laughs> in the front <laughs> yeah and my and my and, and, and my kids um, <laughs> my, my, my kids uh, the ones that are working at the resorts teach their kids how to ski have taught their kids how to ski so hopefully uh, they don't get hurt and they need pain meds or something yeah <laughs> All right, so we're, we're going to move on. We're going to move on, but I mean, we'll 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 still touch upon that because it is the, this. But this topic comes up because of, of deaths of despair, because life expectancy in the United States has decreased the last three years, and and that's the first time since World War One and and the um, it was flu epidemic. I think that that happened that took seven hundred thousand lives. Yeah. We are in the same kind of stats as far as between suicide and overdoses and other types of deaths of despair which are really correlated to self-harm in some form or another and drugs seem to be involved in them in one way or the other the they also must include alcohol and they um and as well because the there are plenty of people that die from alcohol for i mean what i mean there you can't have an alcohol overdose but again through detoxing from alcohol and obviously accidents and cirrhosis and cirrhosis the medical problems associated with death and disability associated with alcohol is on the order of four to five times that of opioids and if we really wanted to talk about addiction yeah we wouldn't have time to talk about anything other than nicotine yeah and because it's about four nicotine being the the primary drug that has the most costs and deaths associated with it and disability and disability yeah so um but alcohol does fit into deaths of despair as well and that's why the numbers really are the way they are and why the quality of life is going down and also life expectancy is going down and this is such a change because it was consistently going up for a long long time yeah. And this makes me think about or a lot of things and a lot of mixed feelings about this in the sense of, you know, what what is really the underlying problem here? Um, and I, I know it's easy to say, you know, it's it's the drugs, but no, it is. Or is it sociological? You know, um, the environment has got to play a huge part in this. But we know that um, the social and the cultural aspects of our society play also part of this, too. And. Where does what we do, I mean, fit into that as well? Do we need to come up with a different way of looking at this problem, different than what we're doing now? I think there's, you know, it's back to the same thing. It's disconnection. Yeah. I mean, we are all so disconnected from one another, starting at a fairly early age (laughs) with kids who... 
you know, unlimited um, access to vidis or whatever, and they're not going out running around with their mates or don't have a you know a group of friends, so to speak, of other than other people who are in their basements playing games. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, this is a place that prevention can really really impact things and um, that's where the answer is because what we're seeing is late stage disease Mm -hmm. usually yeah by the time we see it we're helping correct their behaviors I I think you're 100% right what I was thinking when you were saying that is our responsibility I think is more of education and prevention and doing things for yeah. children and younger people because by the time they come to us they've already gone through all that mm-hmm. and yeah. it it's happened right and, I mean it, it's it's something that I think about all the time because I have two kids I have an 11 year old and 8 year old and they're in this world and they have iPads and you know they're on the computer and and it's this balance that I'm trying to figure out because I, I one, I don't want to prevent them from from you know progressing yeah. because that is the world we live in. I mean, the reality of it is it's coming. It's coming, and yeah, our phones are connected to us, and we joke about you know how it used to be not having phones, but the reality of it is it's here. I mean, we're in this room doing a podcast which 90% of the people are going to be listening to on their phones. <laughs> right? That is true. And but, that be true. Right. And and so so I want them as kids, I want them to be a part of the world and be prepared. And I I I see that. But then also I see we are starting to see I mean people come into treatment uh-huh. that have grown up in this technology industry and we're seeing what it has caused i mean there was a kid that came in last month that i was blown away at the zero interaction he had with the outside world literally like it it's the first time i've seen that uh, that bad i mean Mm -hmm. he had no friends he stopped going to school but he was like this awesome person on whatever stupid game he was playing, you know, yeah. and it was all, all for nothing. Right. And, but he literally, I mean, had not like left the home, like, and and that scares me for my kids, mm-hmm. because, I mean, when I think of growing up, I think of running around the neighborhood, and I right, think right. Of going out, you know, at night, sneaking out, and, sneaking night. out <laughs> and doing all these things. That's right. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, it, it's. Even along, I mean, bringing another addiction into this is pornography because I've I know that that is here too on these yeah. phones. You know, yeah. I mean, you can access this now. When and I was going to be virtual. Yeah, porn. I mean, when I was young, you had to hike like to the flipping middle of the woods where there was hidden Sears catalog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it was an adventure, right? That's where it started for me. The Sears catalog. The Sears catalog, yeah. and you hide it under a rock up in the mountains, and you go up there. Well, now you know Good it, job, it's Robert. not a. That's a real thing. Mine was JC Penny catalog. Yeah, it was a good one actually. But now you know these these kids. It's not if like 
you know how it's when I mean they're they're going to and, be uh, countered with it and the, so there's I I couldn't agree more the the part again to illuminate my conspiracy theory about corporate organizations is that um, the first game that really demonstrated the power of of gaming um, video gaming to be uh, addicting was World of Warcraft yeah and yeah. and it it destroyed some people's lives yeah and and there were there were really three key elements there was a fellow called Atla who wrote a book called Irresistible and it's really worth a read um so it, it is that there is an immediate reward available. There are unachievable rewards that become available on a completely unpredictable basis. And there's pure group involved. Mm. Pure, yeah. yeah. And, and so... And that becomes where the connection happens, right? Yeah. Because people are connecting through and the game. Pure that pressure. And peer pressure, but that's yeah, still right. associated with connection and yeah. bonding. Yeah. Which, that again, these things, and as we're talking about these things, we're talking about our phones. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, and it, it, uh, there's now a game called Fortnite, Fortnite. which is, yeah. uh, you know, yep. Um, yep. We, we have just <laughs> yeah, kids, banned yeah. Fortnite. Yeah, we don't have it in our house either. Um, because, like, kids are placed, you know, FIFA or I don't know any other number of games and you go alright lads time's up you know let's go do this and it would be like but they go do it yeah Fortnite it was like taking somebody's crack away (laughs) yeah it's designed that way Oh, yeah, well, it, it did hit all the same way like crack yeah my son's the same way like when it first came out he played it and from what I heard from other friends and things, he was pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. And and I actually, because I'm the same way. My my son plays soccer and he he does mm. a lot of good things, you know. But I noticed that that was one thing that he it was really getting him. Mm. And I had you know I talked with him and and I actually, I mean he's only 11 and you know with us my wife and I talking to him and explaining some things. Mm. He's actually I, I didn't take it away from him. I've never yeah, physically, either, but, but I, I sat down with him and I, yeah. I've educated him enough and talked to him enough. And one day he came to me and, you know, he was like, telling me how he's not playing it anymore. And because yeah. I asked him, I said, you haven't played that for a while. And he goes, oh, I don't play it anymore. I want to ruin And I said, brain. really? Mm-hmm. And, and I was blown away. Now, right. those talks that we had with him, he, I think it scared him. He knows what I do. So he knows what I do at work. He knows yeah. that I work with addiction. Mm-hmm. He, he's pretty intuitive. And and I was explaining to him, you know, that people go to treatment for gaming now, you know. And I think it, it kind of scared him because he, he realized he was sitting there and doing this, doing this. It freaked him out. I yeah. mean, to the point one night he came into our room crying. Like, oh, he, and, and, and then I'm like, shit, I screwed up because I, I scared him too much. But he was so anxious that he wanted to play it and and it was I mean my wife and I watched him almost detox from it yeah right. and and he he right. really had a hard time he was yeah. scared he was mm-hmm. crying yeah. he was so worried that he was gonna you know get in trouble 
and, and but I never I did my best not to make him feel bad about it and say hey it's okay I even, I've even told him you can play the game just don't let it you know be so obsessive but he's figured out that he can't yeah like he literally my kids couldn't eat because we went through that it's like see if you can you know play for 45 minutes yeah. and then pop it down and they they just couldn't do it can't do it and mm-hmm. and so then we would talk about well what do you think about that yeah me too and um and they were both like this game is somehow ruining our brains mm-hmm. it's funny to see like, an 11 year old get distance from it yeah and and then like because his friends are still playing it and and, right. and the draw of it has kind of faded a little bit you know but it's there'll not be as, another one yeah there'll be another one <laughs> but what's funny is like you know he'll talk about his friends that are still playing it, and it's not cool to him now and so he's like well yeah you know Joey you know he's playing Fortnite and he goes I don't even like to talk to him at recess anymore because he just wants me to talk about all these characters mm-hmm. and it's funny because it's what happens with our clients. <laughs> they don't have anything in common with their little drug buddies anymore. And so they start, you know, hanging out with different people. Yeah. And it, you know, again, it brings me back to they're in it. They're in the technology world. Sure. So I don't want to limit them from that because, I mean, he, all of his homework's on his iPad, literally. His his teacher, like his stuff's right. on his iPad. Right. And so that is where we're at. So I don't right. want to be like the guy that's like, you can't have a phone. You can't have an iPad. Because right? it's going to affect. It's you. like food addiction. Yeah. It's not like you can stop eating. I mean, you, you know, you have I'm to. a typewriter. <laughs> I'm going to look that up. I, you know, it's an interesting, Corey. Um, this this idea. Bring him we, next <laughs> with the technology, it, it, we've had more changes, right? In yeah. in the last twenty years, than uh, significant changes <laughs> because of the uh, technology. I mean, everything's opened up, and I, I think there was some consistency, you know, for uh, from the previous generations, right? That, that this idea is that I'm going to prepare my child uh, to succeed in this world, right? And we had some, uh, or our parents, right, or maybe even back a couple more, because my parents were uh, technology came in. I remember they said there's this thing called cable. And I'm like, what's cable? You know? Yeah. Well, they got this yoga thing's kind of like porn. I said, well, I'm in for it. You know? <laughs> and I mean, that's how cool. it's, you know cable. It was like this magical, you know, always their thing. And then and pong. You know, I mean, I was addicted to that. Yeah. You know, so technology is is changed everything really, and. Um, I think the parents are the ones. How do we prepare them for a future we don't know what right, is right, on? And, right. and and so we want to say the kids are struggling, but if we're honest, we're struggling because for for a long time, it's the, you get up, you go to work, you you know, tend to your fields, and you're going to have the best chance of success. And you know, look out for the you know the bad guys in the wild west. We don't know what to prepare them for. Yeah, mm. um, we have a sense. And it's uh, scary as hell to us, right? Because we have the experience of kick the can and right. Red Rover and, right. and, and, and hanging out in our neighborhood, leaving our doors unlocked, right? Yeah. We had that. And so um, we're in grief. We're, we don't know the future, and yet we're trying to, to we're going to have to connect with them and, and find out what they know as well, right? And it, it's a scary proposition, but uh, I mean, you touched on it, you know, and have an eleven-year-old come in and say, "Wow, I have a limit." Wow, 
you know so that's good news yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know because yeah. uh, so there's just so much to it but uh, there is you know what do we do is we you know and 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 i know everyone in here is contemplated um your existence i have as well right to uh, what's this about and um that's the solution is is for us to continue to do that and then when we get that wisdom pass it on and get their wisdom because yeah. they, they they've got something to give us as well absolutely uh, little, and right. building community i mean just the sense like i used to know all of my neighbors names mm-hmm. I, I don't know yeah. any of them who've moved mm-hmm. in in the last three or four years yeah. yeah you have to work at this right right and when we talk oh. about connectedness and just even closer well people don't again just like mm-hmm. the can and other things mm-hmm. people don't connect and i mm-hmm. i mean we lived in florida for you know it was about three or four years ago we were there a little while and like a long while actually and mm-hmm. i didn't even know my neighbors right. <laughs> it literally like right. i mean i would take the mm-hmm. garbage out we'd all go out at the same time and be like who's that guy you know mm-hmm. and and yeah just as much as my fault as it was his fault mm-hmm. but it was it's yeah i don't think and i do think going back to the topic that we started about i I believe, my own personal belief, is that part of the problem that we have such high suicide rates and depression and anxiety and addiction and all Mm -hmm. this is because that we are, you know, losing some of that, that connection Mm -hmm. and some of that, that sense of community. And yeah, you know, technology. And self-awareness. And self-awareness. Yeah, Mm -hmm. good point. I, I just think that we don't. We, we, it's just not there anymore. Right. I mean, even well, it's like not, not the way that we know it. See, well, right? It's, it's, it's different. They're connected, right? I mean, we, it, the importance of being connected. They are. They're connected to the phone and the technology, and because that wasn't our experience, we want to shift them. We have to find out what. I'll go back to my DJ, you know, story. The guy that mm-hmm. wants to be a DJ, um, find the substance of that, you know, because they are connected. They're connected. Um, it's like the Matrix, though, right? Even, you know, the medicated uh, assistance. Um, are we, you know, what is life? You know, we want to keep them alive, absolutely. But at the cost of the, you know, the Matrix, you know, do we want, right. are we going to plug them in, you know, keep them numb and comfortable? And and that's what they're connected to. Or are they right. connected, you know, so what right. is... Well, and we don't got to define, you know, keep them alive. What's life, you know? Right. right. Well, and we, it's yeah. hard because I don't, you know, what, what's right, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, especially with, with young, young people. I mean, my, mm-hmm. so I have a brother that's younger than I am. Mm-hmm. He's about 11 years younger than I am. And so he's grown up in kind of a different world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to him, the, the whole social media of like Snapchat and, you know, other social media things. That's how they all talk to each other and connect, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, like I Snapchat to me is like the stupidest idea on earth, mm-hmm. right? Like it just <laughs> makes zero sense to it's me. One more bloody thing I've got to check. Yeah, one more thing I have to check, <laughs> and it's always you know people just screaming, ah, all these weird shit going on. I can't stand it. But yeah. obviously, right. it is it is a platform that they're they're using, and obviously yeah. it's working because other people mm-hmm. are using it. Yeah. You know, it it, it it's kind of like so. Last night, I went to I went to the Metallica concert. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm there, mm-hmm. and you know these guys have been rocking since like 
82, 83, right? right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm sitting there, and they're playing at, you know right before they get the, the concert. They have all these up on the jumbotron. They're playing like old old video clips of them, and they're playing you know different pictures. It's kind of like a collage of their history, right? And I'm sitting there watching it. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, at that time, these guys were out of control, just drug-fueled, right. batshit craziness, yeah, right? Just yeah. just yeah. going balls to the wall. On now, MTV. Yeah, on MTV, and they're just, they're out of control, and they're, they're showing pictures of them, like, standing on top of the bus. It's <laughs> just wild yeah. shit, right? And, and at that time, right, I mean, the parents of these of of the people that were enjoying that music were thinking, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. end of the world. These guys are Satan. They're going to ruin the world. They're going to, you know, it, it's over. It's over. Mm-hmm. It's over. And I guarantee the parents of the people that were listening to that music were just mm-hmm. trying to change everything, right? Mm-hmm. And now, fast forward 30 years, I'm sitting there watching these guys how respected they are right they've done all this thing they keep flashing this foundation thing that they're in charge of and all these things right they've done some good things they've done some great things they've progressed music they've they've done all these different things my point in that long explanation is what's right like at the time yeah everyone thought they were crazy and it was a bad situation Mm -hmm. all the parents were probably pulling their hair out like we do with snapchat Mm -hmm. and facebook and and Fortnite. but you know who's to say in 30 years that something comes out and says look how you know groundbreaking snapchat was that it got Mm -hmm. us all connected and did all this stuff like my Mm -hmm. point is i don't know the answer (laughs) i don't know either but i I mean one of the one of the the strongest predictors of if not the strongest predictor of um late later development of um consumptive drug addiction is early uh exposure and early dysregulation of the hedonic reward system. Right. right. And um, and my worry is that that there's no known good outcome. Um, there may be. I mean, theoretically, as you say, it may be that we just fail to see it. But there's definitely a known bad outcome. Yeah. And when I see my kid acting like he's Jones and Dope, yeah, because he can't play uh, Fortnite, that scares <laughs> mm-hmm. the shit out of me. Well, my kid went through that kind of detox. Yeah, I mean, there was anxiety. He was, oh man, there was shame because he wanted to play it, and he was upset with the whole the, package. You know, was I was there. like, I'm watching this kid detox. Yeah, it, it was scary. It, it was scary. is scary. It is scary. Well, and. And maybe it's it's this is partly seeing the symptom come out with the game. So when we're talking about the, 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 these concepts mm. of lack of connection, lack of community, I mean that maybe that's embedded into this. And so when a game like Fortnite or something like that comes out, um, it becomes sort of like easy candy. Mm-hmm. For the kids, mm-hmm. you know, and and I, or and adolescents, I, I I know adults that have problems with it too. Yeah, but they're they're already dealing with some disassociation in their life, and I think with kids, maybe 
you know, maybe the issue is less that is not because they have family and community, but they're just they're much more vulnerable and receptible, receptive to, um, you know, the, the obsessive or compulsive nature that's built into the game. The games are designed. Yeah for a purpose of drawing you in mm. and keeping you there. Yeah, I mean, sure. th- that is it. And so I guess it really depends. I mean, Corey, I like your example of saying, I had the talk. <laughs> you know, I had this talk, and the talk sank in. I mean, it, it, it resonated Luckily, on, on, on yeah. your son's <laughs> level enough that um, he thought about this, right. which means he already had the capacity of some level of self-awareness to see that he was having a, a, a reaction. A physiological right. reaction to this, right, right. which is means that yeah, you've done, you know, again, you've done some, you've done a good job on some level with this to have him. <laughs> what I hope. <laughs> well, I, hope yeah. well but, I mean, concern. but he didn't, he didn't. He didn't stop. Is what I'm. I mean, he stopped yeah. Yeah. realizing that something was there. Right. Well, it scared him. Yeah. And but, I think him knowing what I do because I'm pretty open with that. I don't. Yeah. Right. I mean, I. They, my kids know what I do, and they, <laughs> yeah, and I don't hide that. Yeah. and it's you know they they'll ask me questions all the time, and I'm pretty blunt with them sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I've even noticed like I've had family members and I answer questions, and they're like, "Should you have said it like that?" I'm like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, I've got an old pencil when I started counseling, and it's like my my kids know what I do. It, it, it it's a mm-hmm. someone in a AA created a pencil that said. Uh, don't tell anyone I'm a counselor. My mother thinks I'm a, a piano player at her bar. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. and when you're saying that, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 no, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, my funny side note, it's one of, yeah, the original counseling pencil. Yeah. The original. Don't tell anyone, though. <laughs> so, it's, it's, but it's the kid that doesn't. And, and what percentage of families are capable of having the discussion in in that kind of tone where it's not like get off that right you've been yeah, on it all yeah. day you know right it's shame the shame right this this the the way it's treated this is also the disconnection of community too I, so or yeah. being or ostracized i mean one of the things that we were going to include into this or we talked about at the beginning was here in utah we have the adolescent suicide rate is the highest in the country yeah. and then we're not the second is not even that close we have the highest rate of young right. men and women right. committing suicide um about adolescent age yeah in fact it's one of the leading causes of, of death, accidental death. Like Which young, is too. like even before adolescence, we've had people like at ten, yeah, yeah. nine, ten you're, years you're old, right. like commit suicide, which is ridiculous. And, and and I mean, there's we, we know there is a, a percentage of that has to do with. Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying it's the majority of it, but a, 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 a large portion, I mean, that's not even probably right, has to do with, you know, issues surrounding sexual orientation for adolescents. Right. Um, we know that that's a big trigger. Religious um, shame. And so religious yeah. shame comes into this, and we deal with that here locally anytime, but not just here, anywhere where Everywhere you does. have a strong yeah. um, propensity towards, you know, a particular faith. So here in Utah, we, we, we understand sure. that. It's not the religion itself, but it's it's the people Absolutely. and how they approach these issues. Yep. So, 
uh, you know, I, I, I think that there, there must be some level of disassociation that happens within within families on some level. Maybe there's already drug abuse in, involved in it. Maybe there's religiosity that's involved in it, um, you know, or there's just, you know, a, a lack of actually interest in in parenting that leads to this, but you know, feeling connected, so yeah. not bonding with with the kids. Right. So, right. which is just the opposite of what you were t- sharing with your son, because I heard you talking about bonding with him, yeah. which is different. Well, and I, my personal, you know, opinion on a lot of this is the lack of of the family aspect, mm-hmm. you know, and and I don't. I, I think that again, going back to what we were saying earlier about you know kick the can and stuff, <laughs> the the view of family I think is different than it, it was is. then. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. mean, even in my family, you know, I mean, I trying to raise my kids the best I can, but we don't sit down and have like a family dinner. You know, like when I was younger. I remember if I wasn't home, like, you know, about five o'clock at night, (laughs) my mom was like, where the hell are you? You know, and Mm -hmm. it it just was like a time where we all just knew no matter which which way we were in the world, we all kind of were there at five o'clock. And and it wasn't like, you know, and I don't remember all these groundbreaking conversations then, but I do remember dinner and I do remember (laughs) us being there. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, hey, dad, how was work? You know, we'd probably end up throwing food at each other and someone mad or whatever. (laughs) But that that sense of of stability and structure and that family contact, I think, is very important. Right. It's it's coming back to center, right? Like, okay, go do your life and then come back. To yeah. center, yeah. To, yeah. to, you know, figure whatever that was out, you know? I don't think we have that a lot now. And I think that mm-hmm. contributes to what's going on, okay. you know, with yeah. everything. Which I, I think is part of the, you know, magic of recovery mm-hmm. and connection yeah. is yeah. That, that there's a lot of people who felt very disconnected for a long time who suddenly finds this community. Yep. Of Feels other good. flawed people mm-hmm. whose stories are very similar Yet they seem to be getting through their lives okay. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, back to the needs conversation, Mm -hmm. we want that. I mean, we we want to be with people. We want to be loved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, again, I mean, with with Fortnite and those other, those games, I mean, if you're not getting that in family, at home, you know, different things are going on and it's just chaotic and dysfunctional. And you've got your little headset on, and you've got a teammate that's you know on your team, and now you're friends with him, even though he lives somewhere in like mm. China or somewhere. But you're getting that; it's artificial. But then again, back to what I was saying before: is that wrong or is that right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's artificial, but it, it, we we also have that that potential in our own life, right? Yeah. That uh, you know the brain works in a predictive way, right? And so the, there's some connection that even what we have is artificial. Um, but the fight is uh, being right, okay? So um, because a lot of our life, and Paul, you're the one that, that uh, brought this this idea, and it was through Don Miguel Ruiz, but um, I remember you mentioned a story of uh, people that had never seen a ship, right, in the ocean. Mm-hmm. When they weren't able to, to even see it. It wasn't because their brain couldn't comprehend 
You know, it's not a well. It's, and so it, they didn't you know, have a story about it yet. They, yeah, so they make so up stories. Yeah, so there it was. Which is the whole UFO phenomenon. I mean, that's right. a UFO to them. It's an unidentified sure. flying object. I don't object. know what it is. What is that out yeah. there? Yeah. And they couldn't visualize it because they it's couldn't identify it. Right. And <laughs> I, I know I'm bringing in all this other this other information, but it's at some level, uh, you know, what part of our life is artificial? <laughs> and can we investigate that? Sure. To, to assist you know our young people to do this and I, i'm um fascinating topic it it um but what what can we really invoke um personally into this and uh, i with the and, and this isn't political but you know when a couple things happened uh 9-11 and then uh trump uh become president and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> i i really don't have an idea of of my community as a you know of the united states mm-hmm. you know because there was it was absolutely not possible based on the people that i was with mm-hmm. i had people that that you know uh, supported trump and then i had you know the majority that didn't so i think that's where the shock came from is that we're limited in in our view you know yeah um and how do we expand that and it's made worse by the mm-hmm. the echo chambers that we live in on facebook mm-hmm. and you know and who we right. tweet and confirmation da, da, da. bias confirmation on the book bias, yeah. well and again i mean yeah right i mean the whole fake news and mm-hmm. whatever's going on right mm-hmm. Sure. But again, I mean, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. I mean, <laughs> don't. Yeah. I love to. No, though. actually, you're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. even want to, you don't want to be so limited to saying you're trying. Yeah, yeah. I am. I just <laughs> like to always be on the other side. <laughs> but, but really, I mean, okay, so we can say that it, it's created all this chaos and hell, right? Mm-hmm. But then think of, I mean, what about. You know where I mean, there's been times where people have posted something online about somebody missing, and it gets across, bam, and then they find that person, mm-hmm. which they probably never would have found them again. Right. And so, I, I mean, it's like this. You know, there's there's this good and bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no question. Yeah, and I I don't have the answer. I'm just trying right. to throw. Well, they're fighting, they're fighting on it's, they're, they're it's fighting new. on Facebook, and when you're telling the story of growing up. And um, I, I thought about the conflict and the chaos that I had in my life, similar to what Facebook was. It was, how come, and I'm going to mention a name because I love the guy. It's like, how come I always have to go to Brett Blackburn's house to, to play? Why doesn't he ever come to my house? You know, so there's right. this, you know, and it was a dilemma. It was like, Big problem why, why does he get the bus stop in front of his house? Right. I was pissed. I mean, it was tragic. Sleepovers. Yeah. Ever. At my house. Oh, my Damn. gosh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the banning of sleepovers. I mean, you know, we had the same conflict. Right. And, and so we can find the wisdom. We really can, you know. Uh, but we're going to have to include the children, you know, to, to get the wisdom they have as well. Oh, this, is, yeah, this is my great hope. I mean, yeah. is that, is that as I look at mm-hmm. this sort of teenage generation up to even early mm-hmm. 20s, they're starting to look at us like we're a bit mad again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I was so moved by kind of the 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 kids from Parkland yeah. um, and the impact that to that... To try to bring some sanity to an insane and, um, issue, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Unfortunately, we have incredibly short memories, so 48 hours later, everyone had forgotten. But... Um, but it was such a powerful thing to watch these children say, 
look, we're the voters of tomorrow, mm-hmm. and we won't stand for this. Mm-hmm. We won't. Yeah. And so I'm kind of hoping we're... Well, and they're so social media savvy, so they utilize. Right. I think this is what Corey's saying, which, yeah. is, which yeah. is a benefit. Yeah. Right? I mean, it they know how to use that. I mean, to us, we're like, we, you can argue that okay, social media has like with that individual. I mean, he, he was so isolated, he was bullied, whatever, right? Mm. But then on the flip side, all these kids get together and look what they did. I mean, they made it to Washington. They were right. no, you know, I mean. Right. I mean that that is not easy. Trust me, I've done a lot oh, of. Oh yeah, and they were they were bullied too. Yeah, and they, and they stuck through. This is like this is like looking at this this as as a system and a device and a meet a medium to communicate in, and it's going to have its uh, it's going to have its problems. I yeah. mean, especially because it's really we're still talking with something that's new. It's very new. It's yeah. still know really new. Let's face it; it doesn't always go that well in person. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's easier. This is one of the things that um, I have. I have a, guy, a friend on every few months, David Frasconi, and he he's he's found that. That you know, communicating on Facebook has become it's it's an it's an easy man's way to voice you know opinions, and because you can just say it and then just leave it, yeah. you know, there's no there's no back and forth, there's no sitting right. down and dialoguing. You something can like throw this. it out there and back away and let everyone. Yeah, and just and, and and that's and and that's what Facebook can be. And I'm using Facebook, but that's what any social media can be used for yeah. is just igniting things. I mean, yeah. I think that's what, that's what we learned is that it can be used. To cause a lot of chaos, if you want to do it, that well, and, and, you know, and, bravo for those people that figured it out, you know, and then manipulated, you know, us because yeah. you know we're, we're we're easily manipulated, I guess, yeah. on some level. I mean, we you asked, you know, we talk about how did Trump get elected? You know, there was a lot of social media manipulation too that was being used and and right. created division, and it's it's a perfect medium for that. What and a powerful tool! It's and, incredible. And social media also manipulates the dopaminergic hedonic reward system. Exactly through mm-hmm. in you know through uh, inconsistent and variable reinforcement mechanisms. Yeah. I mean, they, they used to kind of give you the thumbs up when you predicted, you, you know, or whatever the thing is mm-hmm. that you get. Um, and then if they saw that there were too many in sequence, they would hold them yeah. so that they would then come out at unpredictable times, which is a much more addictive mechanism than hit lever, get, you know, thumbs get your up. Palette. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, There's, I just saw, I had to go, so I had, you know, talking about kids, Thanksgiving, we went to Wreck-It Ralph. Mm. Okay? Wreck-It Ralph, what is it? Breaks the internet. Anyone seen it in here but me? No, but I, I know this. I don't have children, so I have to wait till like. Yeah. 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 There are so many places to go. She's one of my favorite. Yeah, right. Um, but but comedians. what happens is he gets into the internet and he gets lost, and it's just this crazy dumbass story. But there's a point in there where he right. he has to get a bunch of likes. Okay, like he learns that oh, in order to make money, yeah. He has to get likes, and he has to get this money to. It's crazy, but so I'm watching this right, and it's it's you know he's doing all these things, and he starts being a social media guy where he's doing stupid things and slamming his face in the door and doing all these things, and he's he's getting all these likes, and we're laughing, or it's funny, right? Yeah. But it's like 
I'm watching it because to me, and this is amusing. I'm like, this is so dumb. But the kids that are there, that really the movie's made for, yeah. it's because they know that this is what the yeah. world is, right? Right. It's like this is their reality. Yeah, right. and and it was like saying, okay, this is. It even explained it in the movie how mm-hmm. if you get so many likes, YouTube pays you. There was that, right. There <laughs> and was so that. they start making money, and I'm watching this, and I'm thinking. Huh. I mean, and, and my son knows that. Fetched. I know it's right. real, but it's funny because you know, it, it, to make money off those things, I mean, it, right. it, it takes a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it, it cracks me up that it's such a, a thing that they're like, yeah, slam your face in the door, get a bunch of likes, all these little hearts, right? And he's sucking them up with a vacuum, right. <laughs> sucking his hearts up because it generates money to him, mm-hmm. and I'm just watching it going, huh. That's that's interesting because they're obviously playing to the kids and they're all eating mm-hmm. it up and and they're they've and been getting con- it yeah they've been conditioned that mm-hmm. if I do this and someone clicks I like then that is good yeah to me it, it I I hate it like I don't uh-huh. like anything not I'm not an asshole but I don't like things on Facebook mm-hmm. just for the mere fact that like I'm against it because just for it, it, yeah like I. I, I, don't I, condition me. I, you can't I read things me. and I see things and I, I, you know, I am part of social media. But I just think the whole thing of clicking like. So you saw that I clicked like. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I, I'm gonna have to look you on Facebook. I'm gonna go like all your stuff. Go like them. Oh my god. I don't have anything on it. The only thing I ever post is if I run a race. Did you ever see the series Black Mirror? Yeah, yeah seven of them. Yeah, and there was one of them in which people raised on the rights, and and what your score was then determined mm-hmm. kind of what your social class is. Just what I the Chinese are doing right now, actually, with their population. Oh, scary! Oh, stop yeah. it! No, true. good citizenship. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 valuing. Yeah, this is. But it made me think of that episode. Facebook. It made me think of that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know. Again, mm-hmm. is that wrong? I mean, is, is yes. it wrong? Because yes. no, <laughs> <laughs> doctor says it's wrong. <laughs> not wrong, but you're against it. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, he's the guy saying rock and roll's bad. Right. I've listened to your story for more than 17 seconds, <laughs> yeah. and I can tell you that's wrong. Then give me some Demerol. Well, I'm curious. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip this around just, just real quickly. Uh-oh. Yeah, no, because we, we talked about this with kids. We're talking about kids. But these numbers also that we're talking about, you know, you know, so, um, deaths of despair, are adults, too. It's yeah. not just the adolescents. Yeah. So where do you think that is coming from as much? Because, I mean, we do understand it from the the self-harm and, and opiate piece, um, you know, or uh, not just opiate, but drug piece. Um, but where, where do you, th- I mean, the, the, the suicide rate, especially among women, has been increasing dramatically. And that that's... I mean, seems disturbing as well. Loneliness. Where's the despair coming from? What do you What do you guys think the source of loneliness? Of this is? The loneliness is coming. Lack from? of purpose. I mean, I think yeah. you know. I just think that the folks that I see have lost a sense of meaning in in that demographic. Mm-hmm. Have lost a sense mm-hmm. of meaning for what they're doing mm-hmm. they, they they may not want to be stay-at-home mums they may want to be professional women but they can't or 
um, or they're working so hard that they come home and they go to bed and they get up and do it next day and and that's life hmm. no, mm-hmm. yeah no well, yeah despair is, is is the loss of hope right and oh I'm about I lost all hope. My coffee was going to spill. <laughs> no, I, I've heard that, and, and, and uh, you know, but despair is the is is a loss of of hope. And I've heard the word hope come up quite a bit in here. Is yeah. that we hope that we can figure this out. We hope, you know. So we're we're in a place uh, of of still having that hope, and and this despair is the young people that don't have it. So how have we not? translated that to the next generation you know Um, and I cheated I looked up despair you know I went what is that really you know it um, you can't have hope uh, for your future if if you don't know who you are right there's that so 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 loss of hope is what you're saying right well that and that's the uh, you know the Webster's or Wikipedia whatever that was Um, we have hope in here you know we hope that that our experience or you know we can get it how do we translate translate that to the generation, right? Um, would be helpful. Would be helpful. Um, and addiction, I, I, I got a joke, you know, it came up uh, recently. It was like, people thought, well, what was your gateway drug, right? And I was like, and I, eh, I don't know, you know, this, that, the other. And I did it backwards, but. But if I if I have to be honest, it, it was breast milk, <laughs> you know. And and you yeah. talk about watching your kids go through a detox. This isn't the first time. Yeah, right? I mean. Now I don't have. <laughs> right. I've been around a lot of little children, and I've been when they're taking them off the bottle, and those kids are in detox. They're, yeah, they they are them out. In, they're withdrawing. They are irritable so much so that there's this game of uh, that I've witnessed with with parents, right? And, and I'm the observer, you know, because I'm not a, and it's like, fine, all right, we're going to give in a little bit here because they're, they're in withdrawal. They are freaking out, you know, right. from from boob to bottle to bottle to sippy cup, you know, and we see it. So it, it, it is going on. How do we relate to it? Because it, I don't see addiction, the compulsive, right, going away. We have treatment centers. Uh, if, if we look at addiction, it's impulsive use compulsive use it's immediate gratification despite long-term you know objectives right treatment can get stuck in that how how do we just take care of this right now not looking you know uh, a year you know we can get caught in that we got to be careful let's just fix this that's addiction no yeah. we, what's the long-term goal and um yeah. Anyway, I go off on community. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, it's about the, connecting, the, but it is connecting to self, right? To despair yeah. is 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 without right. paired. Right? So if you're talking about lack of hope, but it's it, yeah. it, it's it's still that's that's that person's in, individual. I mean, I know, mm-hmm. I think I think everyone goes through moments of despair, but right. when despair becomes the the primary experience, life mm-hmm. experience, then. P- People look for ways out of life, mm-hmm. and so escape. That, yeah, they look for some way to escape, and yeah. so when we when we talk about people, you know, more and more deaths are happening from despair, mm-hmm. then and, and so lack of hope. Then I'm not saying this is an uncommon human mm-hmm. condition, just like addiction is, yeah. but it's leading to that that life is not valued in the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we admit, and maybe you know, I, I, the, the, the dark side of this is that maybe we've overvalued life, or you know, in, in mm-hmm. some way thinking that you know human beings are so great and i don't mean mm-hmm. to be extremely existential here but what my, my point is is that you know this reaction that people mm-hmm. that, that they don't have a sense of hope for themselves or they don't have a sense of value in their life anymore 
how did this dis, that's that's disconnect somewhere right, but we, something's we, disconnect right we've all heard the, the term you know the inner treasure right and one of my favorite quotes quotes is by joseph campbell and, I, and it's not the full quote but it is um you know that that moment of despair that comes to people multiple times in your life where where the ego crumbles and you're just in that sloppy mess and the quote from joseph campbell is um i thought if i knew myself that i would find an abomination yet i found god right the the center the mm-hmm. that which is connected um i i sought to slay another you know oh it's their fault you know i'm the victim i sought to slay another yet i slayed myself uh, felt that i'd be all alone yet i was co- found that i was connected to the entire universe and and then with that is one other quote that he says um um, the treasure you seek is in the cave you're afraid to enter, and somewhere we've I, just a, a, a thought. This isn't this isn't absolute, right? Um, it's just, and it's not even the truth. It's just my perspective. We we've, we've lost. There's been a, a a cover up. You know that the the treasure has now become pleasure. That the thing we seek is pleasure. And not the treasure, and and maybe it's just convenient. Right. They're, they're they're close to that, but despair is disconnected from the pair, right? From the whole, mm-hmm. right? If you have a pair, you can you can get whole. Oh, yeah. Adam and Eve, yin yang, all of that. Right. We've lost that. It's not we, we're going for pleasure instead of treasure. You it's know? not happiness we need. It's right. contentment. You know, sort of yeah. acceptance of. Con- and 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 competency, you know, different words like that. There's, there, um, I don't know what book I heard. There's a, a an artist that was absolutely brilliant. He, had, he get incredibly intoxicated. Oh, it was Alan Watts. Uh, if you if you haven't looked up, if you don't know Alan Watts, check him out. He's he's different <laughs> and a lot of wisdom. I mean, he, he really brought over some uh, Eastern philosophy. I'm sorry, the. The uh, the disconnect is is from that you know unpairing and I lost my track. Oh, uh, Alan Watts, where was I at with that? I apologize, uh, going off to him. Um, Seems like he needs more coffee. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I lost my, my track, it, which is why I said it's probably I, I not go. true. I'll, if throw it was some Jeopardy, know, yeah. I'll throw some Jeopardy music in. There. Well, well <laughs> you know, the, 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 oh God, I'm done here. But what you were saying, yeah pick up please no well this is the thing is with the pleasure and this you know Mm -hmm. i think what we've done and even with social media coming back Mm -hmm. to that is everything is viewed that we're supposed to have this perfect life everything's awesome and we only post when we won something or life's great we're all smiling right they even have these stupid filters that make you look perfect all the time Mm -hmm. and and you know, we, I, I think part of what's wrong with our society is that we don't feel that it's okay to have the sloppy mess sometimes. Right. Exactly. And, and that is healthy. Like, right. nothing's perfect all the time. And if it is, it, it's fake. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of what we see, you know, what we're getting all the time is fake. Just because so-and-so down the street keeps posting about remodeling their house and all the paints and all this, and it's always beautiful, mm-hmm. she's not posting the fights with the husband and, right. and the screwed-up paint that they did and you know all the bullshit that happens. It's mm-hmm. only the, yay, look at me. Right. Yeah. Everything's beautiful. Right. I built this beautiful right. cake. You don't know again. if they're yeah, yeah, kids in juvie. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah my, my kid won yeah. this award, when, but really uh, he spilled yeah. grape juice on the carpet. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. 
it is okay and it is healthy to have shitty times yeah. because those it makes the good exactly. times better. Right. And I do strongly believe right now that everyone out there thinks that I need to be perfect. I need to be this. Mm-hmm. I need to be happy. Right. And it's not just because we live in Utah. It's everywhere in the world. We're right. comparing ourselves to all this BS out there, and you said it right. We need to just learn to be content and just more aware of ourselves and in the moment instead of saying, Damn, I wish I had this and I wish I had right. that. It's okay, right? You well, know, life's not great all the time, well, and, and with the, no, <laughs> it's exactly. And with, and with addiction, <laughs> yeah. that's the idea. Is I always want to feel okay, I, yeah. always, I always want to feel happy, I always, always feel up, I always want to feel bad, or, or I always don't want to feel anything, mm. yep. and, and just that really does come down to the sort of capsulize all of this I, I, is learning to be content and okay with ourselves I've always I always liked the term even though it's so corny sometimes but I, you know learning to be okay in our own in our own skin right. yeah, I just think it's such it is profound it's, it's, it's yeah. simplicity it's yeah. something that people need to, to learn that it's okay to be okay happiness like, is mm-hmm. overrated the pursuit of happiness I mean it's in it's in our own dogma you know we, we'll say oh, yeah, yeah. it says pursuit though which is it's a pursuit of happiness yeah. right and if just, you don't get it you failed again right, right. It, it, there's so much in God we trust on the money we're, we're in a we're, we're in yeah. a culture that cultivates yeah. this right and how how do we do the the personal breakout so that we can give that that wisdom you know to those coming you know um, but the contentment is is amazing there's a, a, a quote from Latsu the uh, well Taoism and, and it's a, it talks about a village where, you know, they don't make boats, you know, because they're so connected to their space. They don't need to go because they're connected. You know, I, we go all over the world to, to find ourselves. And but we're right where we're at, right? Yeah. So I think that was part of the Alan Watts is is what a hoax all this is, and and we're we're saying all right, this is the way the world is, and this is how you're going to fit in. How do we shift that to um, to this next generation? Is how do you want the world to be, and how do you initiate that? Right? Is that going to be through you know twelve hours of gaming? Is that going to be through a needle? Is it going to be through a drink? And and because I'm not against that. Oh my my. I, I just recalled Alan Watts. It, it came back. But it's it. It's yeah, the individual. If we stop, if, if we stop judging and use discernment, right? Um, he talks about this artist, right? That has long hair, and he would get just crap face drunk, just highly intoxicated, put paint in his hair, and then uh, whip it around on a canvas, right? While intoxicated, and then come back and touch it up, and and from that chaos, right, of the intoxication and the long hair and paint, then he came in and made something of it. And how do we make sense of the chaos? That's instead of being against the chaos. Find a way to do it, and I, let, I get off. This the, is my approach let now. The and chaos I, makes sense I, of itself. I, yeah, mean, I don't disagree with. Again, we're constantly yeah. striving for order and explanation and and patterns and similar. Yeah. And the truth right. is, is that most of the time yeah. it's a mess, and yeah. the constructs we've come up mm-hmm. with to explain it mm-hmm. don't make a lick of sense at all. Right, and but we can't have order without the chaos, and so we can't right. completely be against the chaos if we if we desire order. Right, um, I agree. So there's a, there's so much. I, I think it's much deeper than um, you know. We got to be careful of the uh, you know the the protecting 
right? We want to protect them versus prepare. You know, where does that change for families? Yeah. How do we move from protecting to preparing? And that means um, there are going to be bullies in school. Yeah, instead, of, instead of pushing that underground, how do we right. prepare them to address it and not... Uh, you know, to elevate their sense of self. You know, yeah. There's yes, a lot. You to can't. That. You can't keep them yeah. like yeah. secluded. There is actually. <laughs> there's a lovely book about that called "The Value of a Skin Knee." I mm. can't remember the author. Yeah, but it's it's one of the things that um, I admire most about mm. my eldest daughter, who's in her thirties, and will just sit there, and she can. She can be. She's obviously concerned, but she can allow her children mm-hmm. to fail. Ah, oh, that's so good, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't have to make this but, right for you. No. By the way, that's. I agree. That is one of the most important things to do. As a parent, sometimes it's it's uncomfortable. But, yeah. We we t- yeah, and I think yeah. that maybe this more about us. Yes, right? that's about us. Which is what you know. We always say. I say, we we. This is one of our group mantras these days. Mm-hmm. Is it hard or is it just is it uncomfortable? Yeah, right. right. The idea that are you, is this really hard to do or are you just uncomfortable doing it? Right. And if people are normally honest with themselves, right. at least what we find in, yeah. in, that pro, in that type of process is that it's just uncomfortable and. And maybe that's what this is getting to is mm-hmm. that uh, is it okay to be uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Is it okay to be human and be fallible and make mistakes? Okay not to the, be the fact, yeah. the fact yeah. that comfortable has entered the vernacular in the way that it has. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable with that? I don't fucking care whether you're comfortable with it or not. <laughs> it's just how it is, mate. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. It, does this get censored? No, no, no. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. This is explicit. So, yeah, we haven't figured that out yet. Oh, by the way, I, I, I got I got a haircut. Well, Speaking of personas and looking good, and so I got a haircut. Does it look good? It looks great. Yeah, I got really a haircut nice. for an audio recording. I just wanted somehow to get it in. Now, see, so there's my defense. Right? Whatever got said was uncomfortable, and I wanted to come in. But that is that, that just what we're saying. You got to look all pretty. Just but you did look great. I'm not even yeah. going to see yeah. your hair. Yeah. Whoa! What was that? Moses uh, uh, had your hair after he got the rules, and, and it is. Better to look good than to feel good. I mean, we know. Well, thank this. God for that. Because, right. You know, I'm with yeah. my back well, brace. As long as I look good, and it's a persona. We know this. Every you know, we don't know what the future is, but we know the persona. You know, and yeah. we used to only have to keep it up for our neighborhood, then our school. So we're talking four, maybe six hundred people. We had to hold a persona. Now they have to hold it for the whole world. Yeah. I mean, right. but it's the same thing, right? Even to let them fail, they they never fail. They have the experience of failing. They have that emotional and that that they can brace it, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, they can embrace that that sense of failure because it's not it's an illusion, yep. right? right. Uh, the game not over. WD-40, right, uh, is because they, they stopped at 40. The 39 didn't work. <laughs> That's why it's WD-40, you know. And so I'm, I'm uh, Brett Richard, uh, 80, 1837 version, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I think uh, 1890 is going to be a win. Kids but, have to fail. Uh, yeah, like but, my like we were talking earlier about our both our kids are in soccer and you know I it, as hard as as competitive as I am I, I want mm-hmm. them to win every damn game trust me I'm like just yeah. pissed off when they don't win 
However, and they're only 11. We're going to see YouTube on this. Oh, it, it, I, I have to like take breaths and walk away because I, I just I, I want to win. However, mm-hmm. when when my son comes to me and he's so upset that they lost and this mm-hmm. is happening and this and he's telling me and inside of me, I want to be like, mm-hmm. I know the ref sucked and this, that, mm-hmm. and you know, screw that other kid. I, I, I literally have to, I just think, and I always, I make sure I tell him mm-hmm. it's not the ref's fault. It's no one else's fault. Like, you know, just, it, yeah. and, and that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to learn more from this yeah. than you are. When he switched this one team, their first year, they mm-hmm. didn't lose a game. They just killed oh, it, right? Like, and they're just running the through everybody. Yeah, 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 and they're yeah. just killing it. Life's great. <laughs> we go down to this tournament down in, in Vegas. First game, mm-hmm. they win it, right? And they're just laughing, like, ah, we kicked these mm-hmm. kids' butts, right? Very next team, mm-hmm. slaughtered them. And then next team, slaughtered them. And they got the crap kicked out of them. Yeah. And, and they're all upset, and they're crying. Right. And, but me, as mad as I wanted to win, yeah. I actually was back at the hotel that night yeah. thinking, this is the best thing that could happen to him. Right. Because all, all of those little 12 kids mm-hmm. were indestructible. Like, you know? And, mm-hmm. and then this team from, like, I think it was, like, Mexico came in and literally... Even my son jokes about it now because he'll be like, Dad, remember that team we played and that kid scored a hat trick with headers? <laughs> These kids are so good. Yeah. Don't forget that. Yeah, and he really, it, it humbled him, you know, right. and it, it is time that, hey, no matter what, there's someone out there better than us. Yeah. <laughs> I, we almost had that, that experience with the BYU-Utah game. Honestly, I was like, yeah, let it happen. That was you know, an interesting story, right? This it, is a lovely It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like, we're, we can't, I know it's important to them, the Utah players said, I just was, oh, I wanted it to go the other way. And then when I saw the dynamics, it couldn't happen. Right? Yeah. That kind of ego, it, it just, it, no matter how much heart BYU right. you had, the ego. So, um, right? Uh, it's true. <laughs> uh, George H. Bush. Passed away this morning. Yeah. And I I read an article this morning uh, in the New York Times about um, about him and his family. And I think his mom was Dorothy Dorothy Bush. And she he came home from uh, he was an avid baseball player um, in high school and and um, he played at Yale. Didn't he he played at Yale and and at college and um, he played went is Andover and then and then went to Yale. And uh, um, it, he came home from one of the games, and he he had been, you know, he was excited to tell his mom how he played and all that kind of stuff. And he, so he talked about the things that went well for him and that kind of thing, and the things that didn't go well. And she said, you know, I, I really want to know how the team did. Ah, uh, mm. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> to change his focus right. about it was it a team effort or was it about him? And it was it stood out to me, and just after what the story you just told, and 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 it makes sense that that's kind of one of the things that we lose or we forget about yeah. is that this this is a team sport, this is a team game, and we probably this all game out here is a team this game. team of life. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's, this is this is a team about game, me. and and we need to learn. Learn to, no, we to work together and support nice, each other. Win or lose. Be nice to the pretty yeah. rich ones, you know. Yeah. Let's just try to be kind to. Yeah. 
Somebody asked me the other day. He said he was doing this social media thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's posting all these videos, and he's he's interviewing somebody once once a day for a year, and he has like a list of questions, and you pick like a number between one and whatever it was, and whatever that number is. He looks on his sheet and then he says, okay, I'm going to ask you this question. So the same person could get the same question. It's just totally random. And there's like 45 different questions. And and he asked me, you know, I did this little thing and he asked me. And the question that I happened to pick was, what advice would you give to, to people out there today? Like, what's mm-hmm. the best advice you could give to somebody in like one minute or something like that? And I sat there for a minute and I thought, and... And the thing that came to my mind that has come to my mind here is I think ultimately we need to be more present and we need to be more kind to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not going to fix everything, but, but it has a ripple effect. I mean, it's if we can be more way. present with this and I can be more kind to you and you and you and, mm-hmm. and trust me, I can be a dick. But <laughs> I try to be as kind as I can. Mm-hmm. And and I think if everybody out there could figure that out, mm-hmm. we're not always going to be nice. But if we can always have that to be as, as kind and as present as we can, mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, we, we would have a better right. world to live in. Yeah. And, ultimately. And, right. And I, I know the energy that you're coming from. So this isn't a... Um, uh, it's not. Uh, it's not wrong. But the, the word "kind" is um, because I know you. What you mean by that is fair, right? Yeah. Um, uh, transparent. You know all of those things. But right, right. we got to be careful with "kind," right? The um, because it goes against our nature. But if if we can teach ourselves and others to to be fair, then that comes out as kind. You know, right, and, right, right, and kind kindred together. Mm-hmm. Right, but we've lost once again. I, you know, it's more important to be kind than fair, and and that goes against us, right? Even the competing, right? It's to build the skill, yeah. and and um, I, when we were saying, what do we do? I was going, hey, let's all of us get together. You got kids, right? And I don't, so I'm I'm jealous. And but let's take them out and do, um, you know, something, right? That promotes their integration into uh, their growth. Yeah. Into as men, we, right? We can talk about it, or we, we can get out there and say, "What do we do to rebuild this one by one?" Right? There's the old uh, uh, tale about the uh, man and a and his son walking down the ocean, and, and all these uh, starfish got you know pulled up, and and they're going to die. Yeah, um, it happens, and for whatever reason, and the young kid throws one end back into the ocean, right? He said, what are you doing? You can't save them all. He said, but it, it's not going to make a difference. He said, it did to that one, right? It yep. did to that one. And um, to implement it, right, to get into motion action and, mm. and do this stuff. So mm. let's take your kids, right, and I'll bring a nephew, I, you know, I adore, and I, let's go do something, yeah. right? And, and it's that kind of uh, action, right? Is important. I just, yeah. it, it, you know, it is important. Yeah. Action, I learned a lot from from all of you here tonight. I'm just going. Action wow. is the key. Action is the key. Yeah. Really, yeah. Fun. Um, a mix of okay. folks. Yeah. We are going to. We're going to wrap it up because mm-hmm. we're all smart. And and, the, it, and so, mm-hmm. I, do you? These guys had a beautiful sort of like story to end with. You got you got anything you want to impart on the listeners before we uh, we wrap it up today? I did want to mention from Corey's story 
that I just listened to a lovely podcast called The Prison of the Ride Home from the Game. Wow. And it's talking about the parents kind of (laughs) reliving what their Uh, kids didn't do. You idiot, why didn't you do this? And and at the end of it, it said, you need to tell them three things that I'm lo- I love you, I'm proud of you, and I'm glad you're part of this team. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. I think we'll I think we'll end with that today. Nomas. Nomas. All right. Thank you guys so much. We will be back to uh, put together another afternoon of conversation. Nice. Thanks, Paul. With the pros from Dover. <laughs> I like that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Special, special yeah. form of bozos. Yeah. Special yeah. bozos. Yeah. Yes. yeah. The bozos from Dover. Okay. All right. We'll go out as we usually do with little Joe and Osborne. Have a good week. Uh, it's not the serenity prayer. <laughs> you can say it. I'm not saying I mean, it. For our bozos, I'm going to try. I don't need it anymore. <laughs>